3: What's Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio.
4: You have to understand, like, I don't want this to be confused at all. And this is like maybe probably the most important thing I want to say today is I love Quest. I like I'm like Uh like, beyond beyond him being my, my man. Like, can we say this for the show? This is the show. <laughs> this is the show this we're This is recording. not the show to I start the show. No, no, no. Listen to what I'm about to say. You might you might understand. I just want to say it's truly an honor to be considered for this show because this show is so fucking good.
3: Wow. Thank you, Clark. I appreciate that. Thank you. He he's preventing me from giving him a proper intro. Uh ladies and gentlemen, this is Quest Love Supreme. We're here with Team Supreme, Sugar Steve, Fontigolo, uh shout out to bill sermon and uh Laya, how, how, how you doing i'm
0: doing good i'm doing real good i was just Laya, I was,
3: what's the what's i've been meaning to ask you what's the uh the portrait behind you
0: <laughs> that's my dad says that our artist painted that of him playing the drums
3: oh that's your dad yeah <laughs> okay that's what's up no no every time i see i didn't know if it was a moon or whatever and it
0: oh. That's a symbol quest, love. That's a symbol. That's what they call a you symbol. Now. With drums, they um play. It comes with a drum set.
3: Do you know? I did not know that. <laughs> I, one day I will take that up. <laughs> anyway, y'all check it. So I'm gonna say that uh, you know, we're nerds on the show, and we always uh sort of salivate over a specific type of industry insider, behind the scenes person, and you know, like dream dream future guest of the show like you know i would definitely want to get suzanne to pass on the show we definitely have to find the elusive john mclean uh as many times as he's been mentioned by like every artist that's been on the show but for me i'll say that the behind the scenes person mostly like offers uh kind of like a, a a different perspective and has way more details in a way that an artist who's in the eye of the storm can't see, I don't think he could be in it and of it at the same time. So for me, I love talking to behind the scenes people. And, you know, and I'm segueing right into our guest today. This this particular gentleman, he's everything that you've heard about him probably and more. And um, probably to say resume is a little reductive because I don't, you know, it's not like, like he works for nobody he he's literally god's favorite dj and i stand by that another guy that he's associated with let's start with he is the reason why we know who jay-z is that's that's mike drop alone but there's so much more than that one story i'm dying to know about of course uh during the ton silverman episode and um you know monica lynch episode speaking of um them developing the new music seminar. And, you know, one of the most fabled things about it was the uh the infamous Battle for World Supremacy tales that I've always heard about, especially the Craig G versus uh Supernet. Always wanted to know about that. I mean, this is also how we know who Skills is as well. I mean, let's just mention the classics, Brooklyn's Finest, Guess Who's Back by Rakim, Biggie's Sky's the Limit on uh, Life After Death, Need You Tonight, Anyway, man, I can go on and on. Not to mention, this this human being gave me my true intro into the world of fashion. Because without him, I would have never had my own Nike imprint. Oh, snap! Yes. This is the man that's responsible. 85. (laughs) Dude.
4: Yeah.
3: And that's not one of
4: the 85.
3: (laughs) I'm telling you, man, this this guy is, is a legend. And he's on the show today. Clark Kent. Thank you for finally, I won't say finally, like it yeah. took you long enough. <laughs> I realized that this has almost been a year in the making. So <laughs> yeah, that you're right. The weight falls on me. Yes, you're absolutely right. Clark Kent is probably the guest that we've had to put off the most. You know, it's always an emergency that happens on a Clark Kent episode. And then we're like, oh, can we do this in a, a month or so? So after four false
4: starts, we are finally here
3: making it happen. How how are you, sir?
4: I am truly blessed to be here on Earth, but I'm even you know like i'm I'm very, very honored to be a guest of yours simply because of how much i um I admire you and as I was saying to your to your crew earlier, like I almost like i sometimes I parallel the way you work to the way that I work or the way that I worked like when I was coming up, I did everything, and I just was trying to be always working, like never not working. And then, you know, like the rise of Quest Love, to me, it's like, I don't, I don't think you're understanding what he's doing. He's just not stopping. And then I think about how I came up, like I just never stopped. So even doing what I do now, like it's like I never stop. I don't even understand to stop. And I look at you and I think, okay, I'm not crazy for being that way. And I and I really, really, really respect you.
3: Thank you. I gave my first speech to a bunch of high schoolers. Um, this show is famous for putting me in a uncomfortable... Right, look at Lai's face right now. Exactly. This show pretty much knows my weak points. And they know that I'm a person that uh, eschews or, or avoids compliments. Um, I also avoid kids. You know, many times I've been asked, Hey, speak at my high school. Hey, talk to the kids. So... I finally got over my fear and went to a Bronx high school last week from this taping. And I actually found myself saying the opposite. Yes, I, I take those words, uh, and I, I appreciate – and this is also going to be probably the most polite uh, Questlove Supreme episode we've ever done. Yeah, but, but I will actually say that I'm trying to – What would you say, Steve?
5: No, I was going to say that Clark <laughs> is actually touching on, on – A a truly legitimate thing that you exemplify, which is work ethic, and uh, right.
3: But but there's a but.
0: Yes, it is. I'm
3: actually, I'm, and I'm dead serious about this. Come on, I am trying to do less work. I'm literally making a living doing things that I love doing. But I know that for me, and no way, I'm trying to put. A time on anything and not trying to be all morbid but you know when you're when you're north of 50 you know you're, you're thinking about your 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 last few acts you know i'm in the third quarter or the fourth you know halftime is over i'm in the third quarter now so i consider third quarter the last act of
4: work that's what you think
3: yeah and but i want to do it so that i want to be the first generation that can and i know it's weird to hear me say this but i i would like to be part of the first generation that when they say they're going to retire, they actually mean it. You know, for a lot of us, I hear like, oh, I'm going to stop. Actually, You know, I always tease Jay about, remember when Jay said he was going to retire after Reasonable Doubt?
4: What? (laughs) You remember that? Yeah, but I was the one who was like, no, you're not.
3: Bullshit. Right. Exactly. So, (laughs) but I I would, I, I think that you know, we're we're seeing a new generation. I mean, we're going to have the first generation of black generational wealth. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can also have like real retirement for us mm-hmm. where you get to relax and do what you want to do and not and live the life that you're accustomed to living and it not affect you. So,
5: well, it's going to affect me. You can't work less. I get paid by the hour. So <laughs> that ain't going can work out for everybody
3: uh Clark, I always wanted to know this um usually in hip hop when a person comes up with their uh their moniker their nom de plume mm. um it's usually an over exaggerated position or something that's larger than life or whatever. I find it very interesting i mean not that you know d j Superman would have been a i don't know how logistic logistical that that would have been as a title but I think it's very curious that you decided to choose the the Half Life version of Superman, which
4: is Clark Kent.
3: Right. What was your reasoning? You know, because we don't know any Peter Parker's, or
4: I don't know the other. There was, there was a DJ Peter Parker in Brooklyn.
0: Really? Yeah, it's a it's oh, okay. radio Peter Parker, but yeah, that's the only two.
4: Okay, well, okay. mine's just pretty simple. I wore glasses mm-hmm. since I was five years old, and I got teased and called Clark Kent since I was a baby. So what? Oh. When, when this started to happen, when, when I'm like nine and I start DJing, there was no name. But by the time I'm like, OK, I'm going to play a park, i got to tell them something. So I told them the name that everybody teased me about. And um, it just never went away. I've tried other things throughout. What were, what were your other names that you were Ooh. optioning? I used to write graffiti when I was really young and I used to write Blink. So I tried DJ Blink and I thought that she was terrible and it didn't rhyme with anything properly when I was in rap groups. So think drink. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah. just just no. It didn't it, it didn't make as much sense later. But and then there was a it's funny because I don't know how Just Blaze knew this, but I, for like for like three weeks, I was Grandmaster Blaster. <laughs> and it's and, and crazy because the guy who would be on the mic when i was when i was djing like block parties and shit one day just went grab master plastic cut faster i was like oh and then after the joint i was just like that shit is terrible and i just went right back to it but um claude kent works for me because i don't believe any man is superior to the next man so i'd rather be the version that that is not a superman i'm i try to be a super dj
3: What was your first musical memory of your life?
4: My first musical memory, my mother was a classically trained opera singer. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, she sang at the New York Philharmonic. She sang at Lincoln Center. Like, It's crazy. I did Carnegie Hall a couple of months ago with with D. Nice. Mm -hmm. And everybody was like, yo, we're in Carnegie Hall. We're in Carnegie Hall. And in my mind, I'm thinking my mother lapped this place three times. Like this, this is not until I do it four times until I do it four times. I've done nothing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because, because I looked, I I would go see my mother at Carnegie Hall, but again, she was a classically trained singer. So around the house, she sang and played the piano since birth. And then my real, real like music aha moments was um when I stayed with my grandmother and that was since I was like six, and she had this record that she played like every day when she came home from work. It was Happy Landings. And I would watch her be happy playing this song. And then I would just sit there and try to figure out how to play all the records in the house. But when she's coming home, I would put on Happy Landings for her to walk into the house to. And <clears throat> I realized like maybe like a year later, like I am actually doing something to her emotionally by putting this record on when she walks through the door. And that made me always want to be the person in the house that played the record. So I didn't know that at five and six and seven and eight that I'm becoming this DJ until I heard records being mixed. And I was like, yo, what the fuck is happening right now?
3: (laughs) So I know that you are from Brooklyn.
4: I was born I was born in Panama, but Raised in Brooklyn.
3: Okay. When did you, when did you come to uh, BK? Two
4: months old. I was two months old.
3: Okay. <laughs> so can you give us your, your take of coming into hip-hop culture? Because, you know, for a lot of people, you know, we hear the folklore of the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx, the Bronx. But as large as New York City is, I'm certain that the same development was happening in the other boroughs.
4: Here's the thing, I I don't look at it like an advent of this thing that that, that we call hip hop. I have I just happened to be alive and cognizant of what was happening when I was really young. And the reason why is because I was being this DJ and because I knew Grandmaster Flowers. You know what I'm saying? Because I knew Pete DJ Jones when I was like a, a little kid, like knowing those two guys and having the conversations about what was happening, like you know, it wasn't even like we didn't even know that it was called hip hop when we started playing the records differently. And, you know, like we we understood, OK, that that's a section of the record. But, but then I was also in the Bronx with, with my uncle and he would introduce me to Cool Herc. He introduced me to Bam and Breakout and Baron and, and JC and Wizkid and, and everybody wow. from uptown like Charlie Chase and Tone. Like I've known them since I was like. 12 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and Theodore, like, I was in his crib when I was like 12 or 13, you know? So watching right. it all and, and being able to do it all, like, yeah, by accident, you know what I'm saying? His brother, me, Gene, I was my, with my uncle. My uncle brings me to me, Gene's crib. And then I find out Theodore's is his brother. I'm like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Ain't that the dude with the zigga zigga that we all <laughs> do? You know what I'm saying? But like it was then it was like so far it was the 70s. And and I'm really like witnessing and going to 18 Park and seeing Flash and the Casanovas shit and seeing like Grandmaster Cats can literally say he's known me since I was a kid. But it was because I was up there with my uncle and my uncle was cool with all of them. So he would bring me around. Now, yes, I'm in Brooklyn, you know, trying to figure out this DJ thing. But the first set I ever played on was my uncle's set and he couldn't DJ. So he couldn't even teach me anything. So like I would be in his crib trying to figure it out like at nine.
3: So he had DJ equipment, but yeah. wasn't a DJ in the sense of how we DJ.
4: No, he didn't know how to DJ at all. He bought DJ equipment because he frequented clubs so much that he wanted to have what they had in clubs in his house. So he was a, a Leviticus guy. He was a uh, Plato's retreat guy. He was a Bonds uh. International guy. He was a Fifty-four guy, you know what I'm saying? Like he was, Uh, he was also a lawyer. So maybe not being in a paradise garage would be good for him.
3: (laughs)
0: But it's quite an upbringing.
3: All right, because you are cognizant of records in your house alone. Now, Mm. I know in hip hop, sometimes with with uh, selective memory or revision or whatever, like people might mistake, you know, one of the. The the basic ingredients of, of hip hop break beats that they discovered older, making beats and all those things from like what was there in real time. But for you in real time growing up, you know, in these formative years, like 12, 13, whatever, when you're like getting into records and all those things, like what was the record that caused absolute panic? And like when you put it on, it's like, Oh, Jesus Christ, like clear the floor or not clear the floor, get on the floor.
4: Um, it, At that time, it might have been Ecstasy by the Ohio Players because it was literally wow. my favorite. It was literally my favorite record. As soon as I heard it, to me, it's still the best song
0: I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a really great song.
4: <laughs> I got
3: jokes. Yeah. No, no, no. I love that song to death. But I, I have so many jokes with the Ohio Players because...
4: I love they get away song. with so many musical crimes, right? But and and the thing is, like the whole record is a musical crime. And the reason why I say that is because it's
3: literally the end of a song. Like I want to, like it's like they started right on the end, the riff at the end of the song,
4: and right. then and there's no hook, there's no verse, there's, there's yeah. no, there's nah, no song, Like oh. whatever,
6: whatever he sings, the first line, like that's the name of the song.
4: Like, pain. love you, ecstasy
6: <laughs> to me. <laughs> pain, yeah, pain is just simplicity and pain, right?
4: exactly but by the time the end of the record comes it's the most perfect thing i've ever heard because the emotion is raw the music is beautiful and it proves that there is no real formula to this shit it's just when you listen do you walk away going that shit fucked my soul up you know what i'm saying and that record since i was a kid the first time i heard it i was just like oh my god this might be the most beautiful thing i've ever heard and yes, I've heard tons of records. And yeah, I've, I've heard tons of I'm, records, but that record right there, <laughs> that's the reason why I sampled the records because, and it took I'm, me like four years to sample it.
3: Yo, I'm going to tell you something. The anger, there's nothing like the feeling of where you think the lane is clear. And all you got to do is simply just put the ball in the hoop and you know. It's about to happen, and then someone just smacks the shit out of the ball. Like, get the fuck! I'm telling you now, the anger I had when I heard Brooklyn's Finest, because at the time we we're working on Illidolf Half Life, great album. I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna make pause, some. going sh- Pause. Gonna-
4: Illedove Half Life is a great album.
3: <laughs> I know, but my 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 contribution to this jam." was I've been working so hard, like, trying to hook up some version of Ecstasy to go on that. And then I heard it on a mixtape and was like, ah, oh, this is over.
4: Nope. Right. I'm, I'm going to make this crazy for you. I sampled that record two years before on a remix for the Future Sound, but I only took one loop. And every time I listened to it, I was like, I, I didn't do this right. I didn't do this right. and. Again, it was my favorite record. So every club I played, I ended the night with the record. And it became so popular that I would play this record that people would be like, I'm waiting to the end because I can hear that fucking record. <laughs> and then when, right. one, day, one day, Dame and Jay just go, yo, so we, you got you to hook that up. So you, I mean, sitting there with the sample, I'm just like, there's only one way for it All to it feel bad. the mm. way it feels. And it has to be the whole five bar loop. Now, of course, five bars is very unconventional, just like three bars is unconventional. Right, that's your relaxation. But yeah, like call Quest, when that record was made, I like tried to figure out where the fuck do I mix this record all the time. And then I figured out where I'm going to get that eight bars at. And it would be weird, but it would always come off right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But with with Brooklyn's Finest, it's almost like I had to go, "I I don't care if they figure it out because the music has to feel and 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 the thing is the music feels and because what they did to it was, was great too, but if they didn't, if it didn't feel, it wouldn't have got to there.
3: Have you have you heard um Lionel Richie's version that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis did? Say what now? He
6: Lionel Richie covered Ecstasy by the Hobler's?
3: Not really, but <laughs> no, but like he didn't cover Ecstasy, but Jam kind of flipped it. On their and... album, on that new
0: album that they put out?
3: On, no, 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 oh. on Louder Than Words, uh, not Louder Than Words. Um, what's the joint that um he, uh, I got to find the album. It's it's a Lionel Richie it's, um, album.
0: Yes. Oh, his, like, lap, like one of his.
3: Like, I could spin that shit in my set and the shit come off. It's, um <laughs> yeah, it's the Louder Than Words, right? Oh, I want to take you down. Okay. Look up Lionel Richie. I want to take you down. And like, I was like, all right, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Like, they actually, <laughs> they flip. They flipped one of Junie Morrison's ad libs so that it actually sounds like he's saying, I wanna take you down. want but like it's an album cut on I the louder than words. like, you. Right. Yeah. Like he, I wanna take you down. I wanna take you. I was impressed. And but the thing was, I didn't know that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis produced it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, so Lionel got some young cat to hook up a beat. <laughs> and this, and you know, this came out in 1996. So it's even weirder that both
4: albums. He got, albums, a, lot of, he got like, a lot of nerves.
3: <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm, I, I'm I asked Jam. No, oh, I was like, I'm totally
4: joking. <laughs> I know you're
3: joking. We got jokes here. No, but literally, I was like asking Jam, like, did you know Brooklyn's Finest or whatever? And he's like, "Nah, <clears> I didn't. Because I was like. It leaked a good six months before it came out. Like I heard it on someone's mixtape.
4: I think it might have been either Chubby Chub or Clue.
3: It p- probably was, maybe Clue. Mm-hmm. I, you know, whatever it was, it was enough to make me not. Like I was like, well, my dreams are shattered. It's
0: one of those rare records that, like, no matter how many years later, if anybody play it, you on a It's just an automatic like.
4: Yeah. It, just, uh-uh. exactly. yeah. There, there's a, it's because it's perfect.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Wait. All right. Okay. I always tell people this story, and I'm going all over the timeline. But I got I got to ask this question because I don't know if we ever
4: talked yes, about. This. Yes, yes, it was hard to follow you at the at the gold party.
3: Shut up, man! No, 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 no. I'm talking about. But, but, I'm talking... but. I went eight
0: shit no. at the gold party. <laughs> oh, so you oh, so y'all followed each other at the, I got it. I, okay. I had to get on the plane to go
3: back to my day job. That's the Grammy
0: party um, or the Oscar party? I can't remember the Oscar Jay, party. The, the infamous Jay Z okay. Beyonce gold party. party. Which oh, no, we, we know who throws it. We just did it. I did it. Okay. Yeah, we know. Yeah. 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 No, I was
3: going to add, ask, I'm asking you, do you know of anyone that has documented or recorded I believe that was you on the turntables for uh, the after party
4: for Zebrahead, the movie. Wow. It was a good party. Do you not remember though. this? That was a good party. It was a good party, but I don't know anybody. You don't bad, even then. know this. The
3: one the one, and the last time I ever got on the microphone to rhyme, you were, you were DJing. You were going back and forth on En Vogue's Hold On as an instrumental. Yeah. Like... No, it definitely wasn't booming System. It was just going back and forth on Hold On. And Nas gets up to rhyme. hmm And then it just became one of the things where, like, uh, 30 MCs were on stage. All of that, I remember. So I, I was not. rolling because Zebrahead was a, uh, was a roughhouse records association. If That's where is. I was interning at the time. And, you know, we had, like, two busloads going up. So it was, like, all the goats... Uh, Larry Lair was there, like all the all the Roughhouse people mm. were like there, and I don't know. I was on stage, and it was like, it was the microphone.
0: You got the spirit, Amir? Did you get the spirit? And I had, like one. I had one verse. I did. You only got one like, chance.
3: it, check it. Whatever. God, so. <laughs> I was always afraid to tell that story because my fear was like, <laughs> someone's going to be like, yeah, and I recorded it and here it is. I mean, like literally I, I've remembered Nas rhyming a long time. And then like, <clears throat> then like a bunch of second tier, I think Joe fatal was there. Yeah. he was. And then by the time it got to like the seventh or eighth MC, then it was like anybody's rhyming. And then I, like, I was number like 27, but mm, mm, yeah, mm. I, yeah, sorry, memories.
4: Anyway, No, I'm not mad at you. I, I had one of those moments when I was like 15. And as soon as I was done, I was like, never again. Like, but you, ri- but you rhymed again. Rain, huh? You rhymed again. I was at, I was, I was, I was at a park jam. Oh, no, I didn't rhyme again. I just did a hook. And, I, and Well, you did the hook on Brooklyn's Finest. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I did so, the hook So and- time out.
3: They made that song without
4: a hook.
0: Yeah.
4: And <laughs> then you went and... Listen, when Biggie came to do his verse... It was like the day before mastering. Wow! So it was you gonna do this? You gonna do this verse, and then I'm gonna have songs gonna have to go get. I'm gonna have to mix it, and then it's going to master the next morning. So you gotta finish the song. He finishes his verses, and him and Jay in the studio, it's all revelry. I'm like, yo, I need a hook. He says, Jay says, scratch something. Every single thing I tried to scratch on that record sounded like blasphemy because the record was so rich. Right. So everything sounded terrible except Brooklyn, Brooklyn. So instead of scratching Brooklyn. Biggie Small, nigga shit your (laughs) button. So Jay's like, yo, I'll be back. And he disappears. And like 20 minutes later, Biggie goes, I'll be back. Disappears. But I said to both of them on their disappearance, like, yo, you got to come and give me a hook. And every time I said it to Jay, he said, yo, just scratch something. You could make it right. And like I said, everything was like disgusting. I felt so bad because all I'm thinking is. How long did it like how many attempts before? Oh, no, I attempted at least 50 different things to scratch. I just had I just had a crate full of records that said Brooklyn. And this wasn't even because of them. It was because that's what I'm thinking. I'm going to figure something out Mm -hmm. under their hook. Or maybe in a section, but in the breakdown section, in the in the in the fifth bar, I'm gonna scratch something every hook, right? And then, uh-huh. so they're like, "Yeah, you 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 know, you're gonna scratch something." So I'm like, "Yes, I am," and I got records, and I'm gonna try to figure it out. And nothing was figuring out. Question though,
3: by '96, the term "we're at
4: was. A known thing. It was a known Blank. thing, but it wasn't it, but but it wasn't a recorded thing that I could just go, I'm going to start uh, and okay. there was no Serato. There you go. So there you go. After a million tries, and the only thing I got is Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I'm just like, I'm scared to death. <laughs> and and I just I just kept listening to, to the record and I was like, okay, let me pull a piece from here. And then okay what you gonna do after that because all i got is jay-z Biggie smalls nigga shit you draws and i'm like that's awesome but then i'm like what what else and then i'm like okay shout out the sections in the boroughs shout out the most important ones first busted mossy Bedsty, you know like let's get to our shit first and then the rest of the shit i could just roll out so i did it and i was in fear but for the whole time i was there damon was there Mm. Oh no! But he's not paying it no attention. He's there. He's almost like, I don't know, clock's bugging. Cool. He doesn't even say, "Clock, you're bugging." I'm just doing this thing, and I'm bugging in my mind. So I'm telling the engineer, "Can you change the way my voice sounds? Can you double it? Can you triple it? Can you quadruple it? Can you do all of these things? Please, do not make it sound like me." And everybody, he's like, "Well, what's wrong with it sounding like you?" I said, "In our crew, there is a pact. Clock will never." rap <laughs> like like Jay Jay and sauce just one day we was in my crib and they were just like looking at me and I was just and, and I was like you yeah, know nah, 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 nah. they were looking at me like Clock, you don't rap don't ever be a rapper like let us do the rapping and you make the beat. Don't do this. And I was just like no problem. <laughs> I, I never ever wanted to be a rapper. So at the end of everything, Dame is like, yeah I like it. And I'm just like okay, please, Uh I'm like, please do not tell them that I did it. Don't tell, whatever you do, don't tell Jay that I did it. It goes to Mastering. Everybody's at Mastering. They love it. And then the record, like after Mastering, I'm just like, yo, Jay, how do you like, that shit is fire. Who's that? Oh, that's the kids I found downstairs. (laughs) 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 Just so that he wouldn't be like, what fuck was he doing rapping? So yeah. you know, later on, it comes out, OK, Clog did, nah, did that. And he was just like, yo, we told you you don't rap, right? And I was like, dog, I wasn't trying to rap. You guys left me here. And he goes, yeah. nah, but it's really good, though. And then like weeks later, <laughs> weeks later, we got a show at the Apollo. What's crazy is when I say we, I mean Jay-Z, Junior uh, Mafia, and Biggie. So where else are we going to perform this song? We at the Apollo. Now I'm just like, oh, shit. I got to perform. <laughs> oh So no. yo, this is my word. I'm all the way to the side of the stage where almost like I wanted to hide behind a speaker. But I'm like, Jay-Z, the crowd's going crazy. I start moving closer to the front of the stage. I'm like, Jay-Z, you're <laughs> <"J-Z, laughs> shoot your drug. Man, Now I'm confident. hyped. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm hyped now because I'm talking about my city in Harlem. Man, you don't stop, best yeah. stop. You won't stop, nigga.
7: <laughs>
4: Crowd's going bananas. Crowd's going bananas. First and last time we did Brooklyn's finest because I was just like, I'm never going on tour with you, motherfucker. I'm never doing this shit again. And yeah. unfortunately, they didn't get to be like, Nah, you are going and we are doing it because my man passed. Yeah,
3: I was about to say you never were his official DJ.
4: I was in the very beginning. If you look at the first Jay-Z record, um, I can't get with that. I can't get with that, right? My name is on the logo. It's Jay-Z featuring DJ Clark Kent. Ah. That was the name okay. of the group back then, Jay-Z featuring DJ Clark Kent. But I I didn't necessarily care to be featured. I cared to be making the music and, and picking the records and picking the tracks. And you know, I wanna do I want to do the record making.
0: All right, y'all.
1: Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at
6: purdueglobal.edu. I just want to ask you about um, your time with Dana Dane. Dana Dane with fame, that's the first tape I ever owned. And, uh, oh shit! <laughs> like straight up. That's dope. So, That's yeah.
2: dope, man. Man,
6: listen. So yeah, talk about uh him. What was he like? Like back in you know those days? What was that time like? In-
3: and when you're telling the story, can you tell us where the hell is Herbie? Herbie Luba, Luba? Oh please, yeah, Herbie. How? I, I, I feel like you're the person that talks to Herbie like every day, and the world just don't
4: know where he is. You wonder what's crazy? I wish I could because uh-huh. I literally blame him for the reason I produce. I blame Molly Ma for my style, but I blame him for the actual thing happening because we used to be in the studio all the time. And I would be looking at this drum machine going, I wonder how that works. And one day he was just like, oh, you can fuck with it. And he didn't come, he, he was coming to the studio. We were all going to the studio. And he let me sit in the studio for like three hours before he came to fuck with the machine wow. and i literally got to learn how to use it what machine session? was it you remember it was sp12 it
6: was sp okay gotcha
4: yeah okay. I, I literally still make every single track i've ever made in my life is on sp1200 are you serious even now i'm dead serious it's the center wow. of my studio <laughs> have you
3: used the updated version yet
4: no and I, I the reason why i won't probably is because i think he's, the price is just robbery. The price is easy. Dude is like five thousand <laughs> now for SP twelve hundred, and I'm just like dog. I that. did not know that. Yeah, it's like I'm dog. It's the SP twelve hundred, and like it. I understand you got a couple of updates. Make it twenty five hundred. You know what I'm saying? Like do that. Right, right. Do three thousand even if you have to for five grand, four or five grand now. And and that's a lot. And trust me, in my heart, I'm like I want it because it's the SP twelve hundred, twelve hundred. But I got a original, so I'm. I guess I'm cool. It's just that the maintenance can be something, but yeah, yeah that
6: was I was going to ask. How do you keep it maintained?
4: Because you, you know, you 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 take it to somebody who can clean it and make sure every button and every screen and everything works. And yeah. you know, I'd rather do the maintenance than have to go giving somebody five grand respectfully. You know, and uh, I just
3: Steve, I'm surprised you don't have a D'Angelo floppy disk joke.
5: Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I guess I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
3: wait, if you still make it, how do you? Are they still manufacturing
4: floppy disks? So when I was young and I started seeing other machines coming up, I surplus those disks. Oh, God. God. You're like Neil
3: Neil Young. When Neil Young found out like the first round of Ampex two inch tapes were about to be out of business, he went and damn near. I did that too. (laughs) I see. Wait, before you answer Fonte's question, want to go back.
4: Tapes. Wait, wait, hold on. I want to go back and say, I wish okay. I could speak to Herbie all the time, just so I could be like, "Yo, thank you." You know what I'm saying? But I don't speak to him. I wish I could. Um, I know. I believe Dana does, but um, and I speak to Dana, so maybe I'll just ask him, "Can you get me in touch with Herbie?" But like, I would just love to say thank you. And I never let it go unmentioned that he's the reason that I actually banged on a machine first, and then I would be in Molly's crib and. That's when I was just like, oh. So you went to the Marley house of hits. Yeah, I used to be in the projects because me and Hot Day, Hot Day is from Queensbridge. We used to DJ together a lot. And me, Marley, and Hot Day used to play the same club once a week. We used to play USA Skating Rink. So we <laughs> knew each other. But, but like I'm talking like since I was a kid, I was in Marley's crib. You know what I'm saying? Because okay. that's the reason why when Marley did his own show, he came and got me and, and peaked. He was like, Pete was the young guy, but I'm the guy that he's known for forever to, to be his DJs. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, but yes, Molly is the reason I make beats the way I make them. But the reason I make beats in the first place is Herbie Love. because he gave me a moment in the studio and he came and he heard shit and he was like, nah, that's good. No, that's good. Yo, wait a minute. That's good. Hold on. That's good. You know what, wow. what I'm saying? where did you get that sample? You know what I'm saying? I would give him samples and shit like that. But. If it wasn't for Herbie, I'm I'm not sure I ever. Well, maybe I would have, but I don't know if it would have happened then. So like, yeah. I never got to make anything on the Dana albums, but those were the times when I was learning how to make beats.
7: Did you so, tour with him? Were you?
4: Oh, I was I was Dana's tour. GJ. We went on at least three tours for one, two. And Soul Train. Four. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, Soul Train, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, it's funny because in that time, the, the name of the whole crew was called Idol Makers. It was Kid and Play, Kwame, um, Salt and Pepper, and Dana Dane, and there was a couple of other groups. So it would be times when I would DJ for Salt and Pepper. It would be times that I would DJ for Kid and Play because we were just a crew, and if we if I was there and they were there and they didn't have the and Wiz wasn't there, I'm I'm put the records on the phone because we we're a crew. So, but my main my main job was, was Dana Dane. And um, I think what, what made working with him so perfect was he allowed me to help him make the show. So it wasn't like all his idea dictatorship and just play what I say. It was like, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what made me and, D- me and Biggie work so perfectly. He walked in. He was like, I don't know how to do this shit. Tell me what to do. <laughs>
0: Does that mean you never had to negotiate your rates? Because I was just sitting here thinking like as we ushering in a new time in that way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you even figure that? How do you even figure that out? Oh, and well, when when Dana and
4: I started to work together, I, I don't I don't I hope this doesn't sound the way, but I was already mm-hmm. being DJ Clark Kent in New York. City. Mm-hmm. I was already playing all of the clubs and being one of the most worked DJs. So when we got together, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, he can make this better. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And when we worked together, I made it better. And So you were first... like the music
0: directed in in a way. It's beyond, right.
4: right. Like our first show together was at um, the rooftop. And walking into the rooftop, as many people who was going, oh shit, day to day. Like there was as many people going, yo, Clark Kenneth <laughs> here. You know
1: what I'm <laughs> saying? Yeah. Because
4: I, I played the rooftop with Brucey B. a bunch of times. So they were like, oh, this nigga's is about to get on the set. Not the way that you think. <laughs> We're going to do this. I'm going to be DJing for Day to Day. And we killed shit because his records was on fire. You know, yeah. so. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the first time I ever DJ for him for real was at Washington Urban High School. It was at a, a talent contest and he was the act and his record might have been like three weeks old and he comes in. But the record's flaming in the street. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. he comes in and he does the shit and motherfuckers go. Was this Nightmares or? his nightmares. Some- nightmares. nightmares. First song. Okay. First song. Nightmares went crazy immediately. So three weeks yes. later, he's the guest at Washington Urban High School. My sister was a student there and I was just like, oh, shit. So he's just yeah. like, yo, can you drop this record for me? And I was like, OK, cool. I didn't think it was going to be much. But in my mind, when I'm hearing him rap, I'm like, I'm going to pull it out here. Let me pull it out here. He came over and and he was like, "Yo, how did you know to do that?" And I was just like, "Well, I just felt, you know, musically. I felt where you were going and where the where the drop should be." And he was just like, "Okay, cool." And he had a DJ, so times was coming and he got a couple of shows and like his DJ would would not show up at certain things. So one time he just was like, "Yo, would you be my DJ?" And I was like, "Let's figure it out." And he came to my crib and we sat there for hours working on a show and. He entrusted me, and and to me, um, because I care so much about the music. Like I was just like, I, I want this to be like an amazing show for you, so that when they walk away, they go, "This was great to see. It, it was entertaining," and it, you know. So that's what that was the that was the the mission for for Dana Dane was to make sure that his show was
0: awesome. And I just wanted to say I, the reason I asked that question and I was just asking about it because it feels like. This style of DJing and all of this art that it takes is not necessarily translated into what people see these days as a, a DJ on stage and live performance. So just yeah. make it, well, yeah. Well, the
4: DJs on stage nowadays aren't necessarily DJing. They're they're standing up there within a a, a, a a piece of a piece of performance that's happening, and they're just doing their 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 look like it well, part. The motions, right? <laughs> And if they are doing some DJing, they're basically just dropping records. They're not like switching beats in the middle of the songs live. They're not on turntables making it work and figuring out how, oh, yo, if, if, if the crowd doesn't go crazy, we got to figure something else out on the fly. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They're not, they're not doing that. Let me just say uh-huh. this. There wasn't no DATS when, we when we were doing it. And there wasn't no instant replay. Instant, instant replay, replay, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, you had instrumental records. And you had to make it work. There was no, there was no rapping to your vocals back
3: then. I've seen LL, Rockin', few others. Well, I now know why dub mixes were always on the B side. Right, like Rockin' would have "I Came and the Came," Fight uh-huh. uh-huh. fighting me, fighting me. Yeah. Like right. then I was like, oh, that helps you on stage. Right. basically TV track. Right. However, I, I have a question.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, during your tenure with Dayton and Dane, Which was, which was. Has there? Hold on, hold on. I just need to say that was some of the best times for me because I learned so many things at that time. I have a question: Is
3: at any point was there talk of, like, I don't know who the other two members of the Kangol Crew was?
4: Oh, Lance, Lance, and Omega.
3: They were amazing. (laughs) So, was there ever talk? Of them doing something together, like I know that I I still no one still answered with with gave me giving me a straight answer on why it took Slick Rick four years to go from Lottie Dottie to Great Adventures, but you know at the time when Dana Dane comes out, at least in Philadelphia, a lot of us thought that was Slick Rick, you know because he had the, the, that's the, the yeah. like yeah. that's that Snagglepuss flow. And, yeah, I knew they were in the same crew, but...
4: Snagglepuss. Well, <laughs> okay. Do you remember Snagglepuss? Are you serious, like, uh, I'm older than you, dog. Stop.
3: No, no, no. I don't mean the cartoon. I meant there was a rapper. The, the actual rapper Snagglepuss.
4: MC. Snagglepuss. Yes, I remember uh-huh. him, too. Right. Everyone... He, he actually had bars. Yes. He, he was actually, supposed to be next. He had bars. Yeah.
3: And so, but just during your period with Dana Dane, was there ever... was yes. Was Slick Rick... Did you have any Slick Rick sightings between 1985? Of course. In nineteen eighty, like post Lottie Dottie 85. A- like.
4: A- absolutely, because like I knew Slick Rick like before the show came out. You know what I'm saying? Like me and Doug were friends since we like 17. So okay. I, I knew I knew Get Fresh Crew happening. And if you, if you ask Chill Will and Barry B, we were all teenagers when we met each other. And, and we would- So no one ever had Sh- the
3: conversation like, yo, Slick Rick, Dana Dane, do or join together. It was actually, like,
4: it should have been done, Herbie was trying to get the Kango crew together. He had Lance and Omega and Dana Dane and we were trying to wrangle Flick Rick at the same time, but Rick was getting his shit together for what would be one of the greatest rap albums ever. Great
3: Adventures, man. Ah, okay. all right.
4: Great, Aven- great Adventures <laughs> is a bar. Like, if you tell stories, you should right. be trying to tell stories better than that. It's an impossible bar. Right, which, is, which makes it amazing. So that makes it really something to shoot for.
3: Now, I know in Philadelphia, it's you got to know somebody that has a station wagon or mm. a van or a minivan mm. to really make it happen. But as a New Yorker, how does one <laughs> be an effective DJ? On the train. <laughs> yeah, or just like get, walk me through, like what year was it that you were like, Okay, I'll do your block party. Um, and that's
4: not your own neighborhood. In nineteen seventy six, seventy yeah, six seventy six. I was no seventy seven. While well, in the summer seventy seven, I was I was eleven, and um, I played at uh, at a uh, Grandmaster Flowers was was DJing in Lincoln Terrace Park and. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, "Yo, you know that's a young DJ from up the street. You know that's a young boy that DJ's from up the street." And he kept, they keep telling him. He's like, where He's like, "Come on back, word. come on back." And he goes, "You want to play some records?" And I was like, "Yes." You know what I'm saying? Like not a not an ounce of fear. So I just start. He's like, "Yo, well, pick out a record you want to play." I'm in his records. I will pick out like 40 records. He's looking <laughs> at me like he's looking at me like you know these records. You know these I, was these like, records? Yeah. I was like, "Absolutely." He's going all right shorty give it a shot by the end of, the, of like 35 40 minutes he was like oh no he's serious mm-hmm. and you know he was like yo you did a really good job and everybody was like oh yeah and understand we're in Lincoln Terrace Park it's 500 people and usually people get dead at Lincoln Terrace Park so as soon as I got off and I and he told me what he was saying he's like yo man you, you, you got something and you, you're really good keep up keep up at it and you sounded very good I was just like, "Okay, cool." So I left. I went home, and I went right to my grandmother, and I was like, "I'm going to be a DJ for the rest of my life." And she <laughs> said, as long, "As long as you finish school, you can do it." And I was like, "Okay, back. I gotta finish school, <laughs> but I'm gonna right. DJ all the way through it." But the first time I played, I played a block, like a block party with, I was with, I was on somebody else's equipment, but I was playing the block party. I, I think I was like 12, and it was, okay. and I and I put a hole in it because I know is- records.
6: What is one of your times uh, that you bombed a party? Like, what what does bombing for a Clark Kent look like? It
4: hasn't happened yet. Let me knock on some wood. He, he, he'll never meant to defeat. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's it's not that. It's just that I I put so much pressure on myself to make sure that it doesn't happen. That it just hasn't happened. I'm not saying it can't happen.
6: Well, it so if like so if like my 16 year old was like, hey, come play my party. Like you can you can play for that crowd. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, you have no fear of Gen Z?
4: No, no, no. I just played for the New York Giants yesterday, and all of them are in their early twenties, and they listen to sixteen. They listen to sixteen-year-old music. All of them were on the on the on the on the field like. (laughs) You playing drill? (laughs) I I like drill music. I like I like these. I like I love Young Thug. I love Dirk. I love I love these.
0: You gotta love love it to play it like that.
4: The difference is me. I don't love. DJing. I love music. Music, mm. So I can appreciate all of it. I, I understand why certain things won't make sense to some, but I don't look at it for that. I look at it for is the record good? Mm. Is the record good? If the record's good, I'm going to play the records. I'm going to play the good records. And that's all I think. I, I don't care what kind of music it is. If I, if I can't understand the energy of it, then it doesn't get played. But when I do, like, I'm, I'm going for it because
7: totally.
4: yeah. I, I, I literally love the music itself. It's much, much more important than DJing. But I guess that's the actual part that makes me a really, really a, a very good DJ. All
3: right. So you oh. live in a life of yes. So that said, a life of yes? I don't understand. Uh, we we, we, we <laughs> did an episode with, with DJ Drama where everything was a yes. Yes. And a lot of those no, things were things no, I would no. say, hell no. No, 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 no. I don't mean yes, but just like, you know, If I'm done a gig, I want to go home immediately. He gets done a gig and then an unknown T.I. is, you know, chasing him to the car. Yo, I rhyme. Okay, give me your number. Here's my number. Come to my basement. Mm -hmm. That's what drama
4: was talking about. I I would have missed that. Okay, think about this. If I don't listen, I don't hear hoes. If I don't listen, my cousin Foxy. If I don't listen, if I don't listen... I'm not the first person to work with Kim. If I don't listen, I don't have skills in my house before any battles.
7: Mm.
4: You know what I'm saying? If I don't listen, I miss it. If I don't listen, I don't know the records. If I don't listen, I can bomb at a club. I come from the context for the DJing. Mm. And because I come from that era, I look at every single gig like it's the last one. Some kid wants the spot. My question is, am I giving it to you? You're bugging. You got to take it. And if you try to come up against me in a club, you're going to lose. Damn. So if, if I bomb, it's going to be because no one else was there to, 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 to edge me on. Like, and I just was like, <laughs> fuck it. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's 10 people, those 10 people are going to walk away going, I don't know who that DJ was, but you know what I mean? Patty LaBelle went on TV talking about how Clark can't rock her at a party. like i'm sorry that's patty labelle that's auntie patty labelle like she's my mother's age like and she was like that dj clock Kent was incredible i was like
0: yes and that's (laughs) your rep now you got to keep up you got to keep that keep going keep going Uh, imagine
4: because when somebody said my name to her recently she was just like oh my god that motherfucker and i'm just like if (laughs) if i don't keep that up it's over it's over because the chip on my shoulder is 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 ignorant you know what I'm saying? So the one time I bomb, it's going to be the last night. Somebody's going to be like, never again. Because
0: they want it so bad
4: for me to bomb. Right, right.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know, you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the
3: next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. All right, let's go to when you're 14, 15, when you're like, got some years in and whatnot. So this is what I want to know. I mean, in 2022 now, especially in the world of Serato, probably the biggest problem that we have as DJs is that it's too much information, Mm -hmm. way too many options. I now, I mean, I have a, I have a MacBook pro that can hold about four terabytes of music. And so for me to figure out, I mean, on an average, I mean, even though I prepare for like 300 songs, Usually, before a gig, I'll have the 200 that I'm ready to rock or whatever. But back in the day mm-hmm. when there aren't that many records
4: left. Before you say that, I'm going to ask you a question and tell me if you believe this. Okay. Would you believe if I told you I don't go, I'm going to prepare this set?
3: Oh, I absolutely believe. I believe I'm the only human being that will, I'll put it this way I'm preparing for the gold party next year oh, right now. Cool. And I got maybe thirty songs that I like that I have to plan shit, but I, that's also like a, a fault of mine that I'm trying to not do some
4: I'm trying to be not
3: as calculating
4: Well well you should know in my that creativity. There's, there's plenty of people that do that. I just I just can't do it.
3: No, I mean I got- that's I believe you. I I believe that you can be in the moment and know right. This will work good next. This will work well, good next.
4: That comes from being a club DJ for my whole life. I'm a, I'm a club DJ. So I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't call myself a show DJ. I don't call myself a radio DJ. Have I done shows? Can I do shows? Yes. Can I do radio? Yes. Can I do all of those things? Yes. I never call myself a mixtape DJ. I'm a club DJ. And because I'm a club DJ, like, I really can't prepare. I got to be, oh, shit, that's what happened. Oh, let me turn this shit into some other shit.
3: So you work on the spot. Okay.
4: Yeah. I, mean, I see that. I'm, I'm going to tell you where I work from. I work from here. It's what my heart's telling me to do every time I put a record on.
0: Oh, so you take requests?
4: Never. <laughs>
0: Damn, I just <laughs> want to slide that in. Look. That is God's detail.
4: <laughs> Let me amend that. The okay. only okay. person I will actually pay attention to about a, about a, a request is my wife.
0: Okay. But sh- she, probably don't, she probably don't do nah, it. she, she don't. don't
4: She don't, but the other part is if she does, she's so in tune to where my mind is musically, it's almost like I can go. That's a good suggestion. (laughs) That's a good one. You know what I'm saying? And and it's because she's been around me for so long playing, like she can damn near tell this might work for him as well work for me.
3: No more rabbit hole. Walk me through DJing in your formative years. Like, like how many records do you feel is needed for. First of all, how long are DJ gigs?
4: No less than six hours. Like, no less, because I was playing a club around the corner from my crib when I was 14. And that's when I learned how old, how long you got to play. And that night I had like six crates of records. Every night after that I played there, I would have like 12.
3: So you're going through all of them or do you have to repeat Brick House four times already? Or
4: No, I never. I, I, that's another thing. I, I, don't, I don't repeat records in a park. I can't do it. I don't even understand it's Too there's too much music in the world to do that.
0: He said it's like too much music.
4: Yo, Quest, here's something else. I never played Sly. I never played line records. Wow. And I you played, told and me I, that. He told me you line hate records. line records. <laughs> and I and I played and I played. So that means you never, art, DJ. DJ. you never did I a DJ. You never did a wedding. No, I've done weddings. There, just I just tell them I'm not doing it. Not a so, like,
6: wobble.
4: No, no electric
6: slide, wobble,
4: none of that. No dance. Or none of those. If you got to do a record like that, <laughs> that, means, that means you can't make a dance.
0: The gag is to make them not even remember that they didn't even hear them records. You're right. It, and
4: and, and yeah. that's the thing. It, it's yeah. so many records that people do the electric slide to. Why do I have to play the uh, electric slide? Why play slide?
6: the electric slide? Right.
4: right. Yeah. Come on. I don't have to tell you to, to do the dance. If you want to do it, you're <laughs> going to do it. You're going to find a record to do it. To. And they will do it. If they want to do it, they'll do it to damn near anything.
3: How does the format for the originals work when the five of you y'all have eclectic taste, but you guys are also kind of left to center of? I love
0: that.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, how do how do you guys decide? Because rich too, like, what's right? The,
0: rich Medina, yeah. And
3: especially in times of like when you guys do your your um your gigs, like, how, is it just like? All right, you do three records. I'm going to do three records. You do three mm. records. I'm going mm. to do three. What's the format?
4: Please. The format is set up already. It's half an hour each, and we keep rotating the half hours. If it's only three, then it's going to be an hour and a half, and then then I'm back. Or an hour and a half, and I'm back. Hour and a half. If it's four, then it's two hours, and I'm back. Two hours. You know what I'm saying? So if it's all five of us throughout a night, you'll hear everybody twice because it's half okay. hour sets. And no matter how many people is there, the idea of the originals is five DJs who are friends, who really care about each other, who just want to have fun. So whether we're all there or not, we're just going to make sure that the night is fun. Yeah.
0: Y'all killed it during COVID. I appreciate that. When y'all would give us the love. Was nice. Thank you. I feel
3: like a big part of your, your greatness is kind of your social skills. When did you learn the power of meeting people, uh, kind of making connections, that sort of thing. Because, I mean, you're also known as the man who knows everyone. There's literally no one I can stump you on in terms of a notable figure in history that you're not in contact with. So, like, Hmm. at what point are you taking an extra step to get to know this person, take this person's card and what they would well, I, call making moves,
4: politics. Literally, literally, it's about whether I respect the person that I'm meeting. And if I do, then I feel like we can have a real conversation. And in most times I'm having a conversation on the spot to, and that lets me know whether it can be something else or not, whether it was, yo, make sure you call me or yo, let's, let's set up me. And I let it be on them because, you know, like I'm not, I'm not, pressing anybody to do things with me I'm just like maybe we can do some cool shit and if we can do some cool shit then cool we'll do it but I leave it up to them and I let my track record speak for everything that I'm doing so like when I meet somebody from a shoe company like I'm not going to sit there and be like oh I did this many projects I'm just like how you doing nice to meet you but maybe we could figure something out and I let it move that way and let the person decide whether. They should or they shouldn't and if they don't really know everything and they start doing the, the history maybe they'll walk away going oh i definitely gotta do something i mean and that and that, that goes across everything it goes across music it goes across sneakers it goes yeah. across everything like, like if, one of the first things i do when i meet a new rapper is i ask them about records like i'm talking like in the first three minutes i'm like yo have you ever heard america's most wanted if you tell if you telling me you make an album that's a classic to me you have to know what classics are so have you heard uh. America's most wanted well okay cool when you do understand what that is holler at me but when you don't you really can't talk to me about no rap you can't talk to me about rap if you don't know what the greatest adventure is if you can't if you can't tell me what uh, it takes a nation of millions if you can't tell me low-end theory like dog you can't Yo, there's, there's so many rappers that are making ra- records right now that think Reverend Run is a freaking reverend. Br- yeah. 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 And that's it. That's, that's all. One. But I blame,
3: I blame, I blame us for that.
4: I am in total agreement. We have a culture that doesn't cultivate itself. Facts. So, so I expect these things. But when you come to me talking about you and MC and all of that, if you say you and MC and not a rapper, oh, well, you got to know MC shit. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about MC shit. And right. then if you a rapper, I'm asking you about rapper shit, you know, like, but if you can't, mm. I'm just like, yeah, when you do, I'll have it. Mm. What,
3: what was your first non DJing for notable MC figure job in the industry?
4: Like I your was, first
3: Clark Kent as A&R or Clark Kent
4: as. Yeah, I was, I was A&R at a, it's funny because I was A&R at Epic Records for like two days oh no, um, <laughs> what, what period? To, oh my god this was right before i went to atlantic so this is maybe did 89. you sign han
0: soul no stop that
4: no, no.
0: <laughs> i didn't do
3: that no i, I do han soul was very crucial to he, he paid it for it okay, okay. very quickly um it.
1: no but, um, so yeah, you I,
3: worked at, I, at what period did you work at epic
4: it was at 89 um so one day Timmy calls me. He was like, Yo, I'm about to um send you to send you the epic records. You're gonna go work over there. And I was like, What? And he was like, Yeah, you're gonna go do AR. And I was like, what the fuck is AR? And he goes, You're gonna be looking for new artists and trying to sign new artists. I was like, Oh shit, they're gonna pay you this much. I was like, What? I was like, Bet. <laughs> I ain't gotta run the streets chasing, chasing it anymore. Like I can't. And then, like, when I got into the first meeting, I was like, can I still DJ clubs? Is that okay? And they were like, we definitely want you to DJ clubs. We definitely want you to stay on the radio. We definitely want you to keep Definitely want you to stay on the radio. <laughs> okay, we definitely want you to have your pulse on everything. So two days go by. On the third day, Timmy calls me. He was like, okay, pack your shit. You're going to quit. And I'm like- Wait, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? You just sent me here. This is your man that I'm working with. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, he, he goes, you're going to quit. You're going to go work with Merlin. And I was like, what? Bad? Because he's my man. Mm-hmm. And he walks me into Sylvia Rohn's office. And then I met my mother in the music business. Wow. And what
7: year was this? 90. She gave mm-hmm. me an
4: education. What
6: was that? What was some of the juice she gave you? Jiggo. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> nah, <laughs> what
4: what What she gave me was about understanding what we're trying to pick what we're trying to do musically and how the the deals work and how the business works and and all of the ugliness of it and and she kept it funky by like (laughs) this is ugly but this is this you know what i mean like we don't have to tell the artist to go figure out your business the artist should be trying to figure out his business and the reason why she said it like that was because it's super duper clear it's not the music it's the music business so just because you know the music doesn't mean you hear properly. That means you got to go figure out the business. So when you get in it, you got something with you, so that you can go. Uh, I'm not taking that deal. And your lawyer is nine times out of ten a friend with the lawyer at the company. So you got to have your lawyer working for you instead of working to make those deals happen, so he can get his
6: people. Don't you think that's a little unfair to expect that of people who have no fucking clue of any of this, like? You know, someone who can have a talent and say, Okay, you're a great rapper, singer, whatever.
4: Fonte, guess what? You're right. So you know what I did to every artist that came in the office? I mm-hmm. told them, please learn the business. Whether I'm giving you a deal or not, please learn the business so this don't happen. Let me tell you about this. Let me did you, tell you, pass you about
0: that. them a passman book or M2 me. I'm just joking, it's not your responsibility. All but all of that, all of <laughs> that. I saying? told
4: them about I told them about those two books. Every single artist that came to me, whether I liked them or I didn't, I was like, learn the business because. It's going to be terrible. That's the reason why yeah. Damon Dash's deals were good because I'm sitting in the office going, I'm about to give you a deal, but you need to go do this so that your deal can be that. Really? You know what I'm saying? I'm, understand me. There is not an artist. You're playing for I the ever, other team. <laughs> no, I played. I looked at it like I'm an artist. And if I'm going to be producing, some of you getting jerked up is me jerking myself up. Yeah. So let me make sure you don't get jerked up so it, so it goes right.
3: Just in that period, you know, especially in 1990 New York. Man, it was like it was it was the it was the gold rush, the wild west. And you know, mm-hmm. I know that Dante is getting numbers on the boards for like the acts that he signed, but for right. you um one, can you talk about near misses of of acts that you tried to sign and that that you close but no cigar acts that you had? And I, what is nah, the process nah. of you trying to get an act? Like, are you the sports agent that has to go to their crib and like, yo?
4: You want the, the answer to that, first, the, the first thing's first. I never really had to go to an artist's crib because, again, I was already being DJ Clark Kent, so they were coming to my office. And if I like them, I'm trying to sign them. So I had Nas before anybody. Like, soon as I heard the barbecue, I called Akinelli. I was like, bring him to my office because I was working on a deal between it was I was working on a deal for Akinelli where I had a bidding war with with Jimmy Iovine. And of course, I'm just the director of BNR. I'm not a <laughs> vice president. Jimmy Iovine won that war easily. But Akinelli, <laughs> Akinelli and Lost Professor are my mans. I was like, who's that kid on the barbecue? Oh, that's not. Nice. Bring him. And I probably wasn't clear because I was like, bring him and bring his demo when he came. He sat in front of me. It's me, him, I was like, yo, give me a demo. He's like, I don't have a demo. I was like, what? After that, you ain't got a demo? Like, that's going through my mind. And I was just like, <sighs> so I had to say to him, I was like, yo, um, I'm not a vice president. Like, I'm not the president. I'm a director. When I bring something, I got to show him the music. So, like, you know, like Akinelli had a bunch of songs. I was, I was walking it through to him. I was like, I gotta, I gotta play the music to get to try to get to that point. And, and I said, you know, we just signed Dos Effects. They had damn near a whole album done. Like, he walks out of the meeting, rightfully so. There was nothing to do. But I was just like, please, like if you got some songs, get me the songs or whatever. He walks out of the meeting. Years later, he makes a record, and in the record, he goes. Clark Kent wouldn't sign me because he signed Doss Effect. And I was like, that, that's, what? Not, what, that's right. not what happened. I was like, you know what? Weed is something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, Acanelli. I, I lost Acanelli um to, to Jimmy Ivine. I, yeah. I lost, I lost, I lost Mob Deep to Bones Malone. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. When they when they were political prophets. Um, oh, when it was overall, poet, well, I mean, poetically when they were, um, polit- well, they were in my office. Like I was trying oh, to wow. sign these these little boys, and it was this chick who managed them who was cool with Dame. So Dame was halfway managing them too. So I was just like shit, it's all family, we gonna go. And Bones had heard them like the day before. <laughs> so he was trying to sign them and he he couldn't. Right? He was at Fourth and Broadway, right? Yeah, he was at Fourth Broadway. So yeah, like he already had something like the day before. So it was almost like I'm going to have to fight with my man. And I was just like, no, nah, I can't. I can't fight with bones about this. And then the, the way that they were structured with the girl, I was like, you know what? Do what you going to do. But I, I was, they would have been wherever I was at. And I, and I still got number love for them.
3: Yo, I'm glad you mentioned this. Can you tell me how long it took for Effects to create their first album after they had the single
4: the album was because i swear to god they were the, just no the album was rhyming over done.
3: skull snaps every beat
4: the, the, <laughs> was, the album was done practically maybe one song off when they came to the office wow and we were all we were all like oh shit like this is it
3: <laughs> yeah what member of the who did the who did the production on that album that's um, one thing that was never made. Was it PMD or was it?
6: That was that was Chris Charity and uh
4: yeah it, yeah right. it was them. It was Chris on Charity solid, and Derek was, Lynch. Yeah, solid scheme. Solid scheme. Yeah. What's crazy is I didn't even notice until later when when they, when the deal was done, like they brought the whole crew to the office and I'm like, I'm looking at Solid Scheme like, yo, don't I know y'all? And they're like, yeah, we live on the next block from you. And I was like, <laughs> you motherfuck- <laughs> I was looking at them like, you motherfuckers make beats. You did all of this shit? They were like, Yeah, we was doing it in the crib up the street from you. And I was just like, fuck. I know y'all. Why didn't you I didn't say me? something? I just, I just know like, y'all as the kids from up the block. Why didn't you say something? He said, Well, you know, Paris was like, he's gonna bring it to where you was at. So I figured we would find out. I'm
7: like, what? Like, I didn't have to do this. It didn't have to go that way. It
4: could have went through y'all. It could have been a solid scheme production. And um, you know, yeah, but they did they did all of it and it was literally done before. The deal was done.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state.
2: at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Now, I mean, I'm in an era where, okay, if something fresh comes out, everybody's biting it a second later. I mean, it's so common mm. now that, you know, I don't, I just think it's 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 just the, you know, the, the, the lay of the land. Like, something dope comes, and then you got to do your version of it. But I've just never seen a domino effect or a sea change effect happened so rapidly in hip hop than when after das effects came out so could you just talk at least from the from the behind the scenes standpoint or what it was Um, like like when you heard that song you (laughs) knew that you had lightning in a bottle
4: yeah for sure yeah i knew i knew that it was going to be crazy because of how funny enough at that moment, how different it was, but I didn't literally feel it was so different because you have to remember at that time I was trying to find Jay Z and jazz, and they were doing it in the eighties.
3: So they were tongue twisting
4: even way before that. They're, no, no, they were. I'm talking about the eighties. The originators came out in the eighties. Like, yeah. Yeah, and right. they were doing what you heard, the riggedy, the diggity, diggity, the sticky, all of that shit was in the originators' records and the tripling was in the originators records. So like they were doing it from in the 80s, and I was trying to find them. But when this happened, I was like, okay, yeah, we have to do this. This is an emergency. Right. So we do it. Chick goes crazy. But then, yes, a ton of motherfuckers just all of a sudden were riggedy and stickity and jiggy jigga. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. But that's happened from the beginning of time. The second song that was ever made is a sample of the first song.
3: But did you? I almost feel like the, the, this is the one, the rare times where I felt like biting. It,
4: it was super effects. Yes.
3: Right. But I almost felt like it, it killed any momentum that they had that by the time the next album came, you know, were you, involved at all in the 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 a&r and the development of
4: yes and i produced on that album (laughs) they didn't change a lot but they went more to the fact that yo we actually can rap you know what i'm saying and i was like that's a cool idea um people are going to be expecting you to do one thing so doing what you're doing might not work out properly but it, it, it didn't mean that we shouldn't let them try it and some of their like better rap record, like rap ability records came from that second album. Yeah.
6: I wanted to ask you, man, I was always curious about um, your work with Rakim mm. on his album, you know, the 18th letter. What was it like? Because that was at a point in his career where he was really, you know, you know, don't call it a comeback, but that was, you know, he was setting up, you know, the next chapter of his career. Right, what was that's exactly process? what it was. Yeah. You know, how, what was your approach as a producer saying, all right, Ra, we're going to take you. It was the goal to get him on the radio, get him in
4: a club? Like, what, what was your mind as a, a producer? The goal was to get him interested in rapping to wow. things that I came up with. Like Slick Rick, too. When I worked on Slick Rick's album, when he came home from jail, like it would, I made tracks for like two weeks and he wouldn't even come in the room. Here's something a lot of people don't know. When Rakim was like 11, Wine Dance Day happened. And there was a guy named King Charles from Queens that had a stupid sound system. He used to bring the sound system to Wine Dance Day. He brought me with him one year and I'm DJing and this little dude is on the mic on a crate and it was Rakim. <laughs> so later on, later on, when, I'm, when, when we sit in the studio and I've known Rakim since the beginning of Rakim like making records, just cool Rakim. Just like cool, we meet each other and your crew knows, I know all the dudes in your crew so we are just gonna know each other like that, right? And we're sitting in the studio. And I say, yo, when's the first time you rhymed at Wine Dance Day? He said, how you know I rhymed at Wine Dance Day? I said, I'll tell you in a second. So when's the first time? He said, yo, man, I think I was like 11. I said, I believe you were 11. He was like, how do you know that? I said, because I was DJing. And he (laughs) was like, wait a minute, Clark. So you was my DJ the first time I got on a mic at a park jam. And I was like, how about that? That's crazy, man. Like. It, it might not even make sense to people that I'm older than Rakim.
3: Mm-mm, it doesn't.
4: <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... What? I feel like he's
3: older <laughs> than everybody.
4: Like... It, the reason why is because at 16, he became the most important MC, period. Yeah. But Rakim album. is literally, literally right. the most important MC ever. So when y'all were making, back, were making that
6: album, how were you able to fit him into a, I guess, back then would be a modern day context. What was your, what was your process?
4: I literally for almost two sessions just sat around talking to him and r mad at me, like, you're wasting money. I'm like, no, this is actually going to help you because I'm getting him into a place of he wants to really, really rap to some to some shit that might not necessarily be regularly you. And um, Mm -hmm. that thing that we did for two years got him to trust me. Right. But then at at the advent of him trusting me, it was like, he ain't trust nobody else. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I would have beats from whomever that the A&R would give me because it basically became I'm gonna like basically A&R your album it. right yeah. cool so I'm showing them beats that I'm like these are good these are good these are good and he's going yo who did this and when I tell him he's going ah. and I'm like so what I started doing when I got a beat that I thought he should run to I was like I did it <laughs> oh bet yo let me go right to this I don't give a damn how I got I to get, get it. You know, <laughs> that's me being a record music, I'm a, a, a record company yeah, guy. Record I'm going to get, I'm gonna get the fuck out. I'm gonna get this shit done. So I did that for producers that weren't like more famous enough for him to, the only producer that he actually was like, okay, I trust him is Premier. Yeah. Even Pete, and,
7: he didn't
4: trust Pete. Uh, he just didn't necessarily like say, oh yeah, immediately. I had to be like, yo, this shit's fire. You know, Pete, Pete gave some fire. And then he would listen and he'd be like. Yeah, the Saga Begins, that was my joint. That, was the one.
7: Yeah. that shit, man.
4: Yeah. Right. But the fact hey. the fact that he he rhymed to guess who's back was mind-blowing to me. But then it gave me the ability to do something that I really didn't get to do on records. Like the whole end of the record I'm scratching. <laughs> Which I didn't really do on records a lot. But I was like, he was like, yo, man, get to the Zika Zika because of the intro of the record. Once again, back is the incredible. (laughs) He's like, yo, you you got to scratch that at the end of the record. And I'm just like, oh, no, I don't. This record's going to have a hard end. He was like, nope. (laughs) And he would challenge me by going, "Okay, I'll do the scratches. As the
6: producer of the Mafia Players Anthem, Mm. what were your thoughts
4: on j Bruce and Primo's you playing yourself? Well, first of all, I've known Primo since he was in college. <laughs> and like we're we're like, we really are like super old school friends. Like when I was with Dana Dane, we did a show at Prairie Review University. He was a DJ for the night. Okay. And, and, the, and the show was in a gym. And he was on the set. And I was like, yo, nice to meet you, DJ Clark. Yo, DJ Premier, there was no gang star. <laughs> it was wow. DJ Premier. I'm like, yo, good to meet you, man. and he and I was like, yo, you you playing some shit. You know what I'm saying? You, you getting it off. And, he was like, yo, oh, thank you. And I get on, we do the show with Dana Dane, and, and we instantly became cool. And I would do parties at um, the Rhinestone Wrangler in, in Houston. And I, I damn near was famous in Houston for playing at the Rhinestone Wrangler with RP Cola and, and uh, Steve Fournier. And I was super tight with James, James Smith at that time. So, like, when the advent of Gangstar came, I was like, I know we know each other already, yeah. you know, so we super cool. So when the record got made, I actually literally was like. Did I do something wrong to print? I was <laughs> like, because I was like, I love that guy. Like, I love him. And I, I believe he loves me, too. <laughs> and I was like, how did you do that? You know, it, it really was about the idea of the song. You played yourself and he was going at Biggie. So mm. it was like he was going at Biggie on something Biggie did. So I, I was like, nah, I, I love Fumé and Premier loves me. And, I, and I, I think nothing of this shit. But I did. I, at first, I was like, he murdered that shit. So the thing is, I was like, he might have made a iller beat. I just made the better song. So I, like I was it. cool. I was cool with both. Mm. You got the beats. Mm. But that's because I looked at it like a producer and not like a guy who's just listening to the song. But once I got to the song part, I was like, yeah, my song kills that. <laughs> but your your beat your beat kills mine. I, yo, listen, man. One time I was in a club, and all of a sudden the DJ in the club plays "You Are What I'm All About," and he starts manipulating the sample in Serato, so it goes "Dum dunk dunk dunk, dum and I'm just like, "Fucking Quest, I'ma kill you." <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked, Wait, in my oh, head, God. I was like, oh, I used to do <laughs> that it was, it, was you, it was you who did it, and I was, we were at Santos, and I was like, oh, Quest is wild. He's wild. So I just, yeah, I just was like, that was, was super duper ill. And I was like, you know what? How could I ever feel bad about that? Like, Quest is, is dope, and Premiere is freaking amazing. Premiere, to me, is the best Boom Bat producer ever. Like, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. Come, hey,
3: yeah. Speaking of battles. Speaking of battles, um, <laughs> I know that you were one of the organizers of the uh, the battle for words, world supremacy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you mentioned Merlin Bob, which I'm going to ask, did you do any time at Electra whatsoever?
4: Well, if you worked at East West, you worked at Atlantic East West and Electra. <laughs>
3: So were you the one that signed uh, SuperNet to his deal
4: at Elektra? No way. But I was the one who got the ability to sign an artist to the deal. So basically, the the deal was a prize. But the deal was a prize because I walked in and was like, yo, I do this contest and da-da-da-da-da-da. I need to be able to sign the artist who wins. And they were like, okay. And so it was the prize. It wasn't like I'm saying I want to sign. It was like, no, this is a prize. Like and it's crazy because people didn't even know that was a surprise. That was the prize. Like you get there and you you think you're just battling for this world supremacy belt. I, I mean, at that time I had switched it from belts to jackets that you could wear every day because you couldn't wear a belt and a, a ring that you could wear every day because you couldn't wear a belt. And and you know right. special things like we're gonna get you like a, a little setup and shit. But once they said it'll be a deal that we give, I was like, oh, they just gonna get a jacket, a gold ring. And then they're gonna get this deal, and that's gonna fuck them up. Amen. So when they when it was happening, the shit was over, and Supernatural won. And I was like, "By the way, you just got a deal at electro Records." He was like, "I got a what?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." He still
3: won, even though yeah,
4: he won the but he won, the Craig G's. yeah he won the battle. The Craig G thing wasn't a part of the battle. That was just Craig G. One night, the, the in between the two nights, he was just like he got up and was like, "Yo, I'll, I'll keep this nigga's ass on the mic." I, that's the way I heard it come back. And then they battled. <laughs> And Craig G. Oh. Craig G. Roast our, okay. Craig G. Won the battle. I'm going to say it like <laughs> that. And the, and the reason why I'm going to say it like that is because when the battle was about to happen the next day, I was like, yo, I'm hearing last night that there was a battle between Craig G. And Supernatural. And Supernatural. I mean, I mean and Craig G. Busts his ass. Those are the words I use. Right? And
3: uh-huh.
4: at the same time, Supernatural had a show on Hot 97 once a week. He would be on high 97. That's right. That's right. He goes on the show and goes, you know, I like to shout out to everybody who came out to the battle. You know, I won, da-da-da-da, But Clark Kent's a snake. Oh, wait, what? I was like, Clark Kent's a snake? How? You know, so I'm a little angry. And I see him. I'm like, yo, what what are you talking about? Then I, instead of, of really trying to have a conversation with him, I went to KRS and I was like, who was managing him? I was like, yo, talk to your man. Talk to your man. Because if you don't talk to your man, I'm going to choke him. Talk to your man. And, and it got to a point where I was like, dog, like, you're not talking to your man. Your man should go on the radio and apologize because just because I had, I re I spoke about some shit that happened the day before, I'm a snake. You just won my battle. I gave you a record deal. What is you talking about? Right. You win. Right. Right, you won. Like we just talking about what happened the night before, before you won the battle. So I'm just like, so that makes me a snake because I I mentioned what happened the night before, even though you in the same day won the battle. So some weeks went by, and then he apologized. He invited me up to the radio, and yeah, but because some things happened in the middle, (laughs) and then he invited me to the radio to apologize, and I was just like, cool, you know, I left it the way it was, but I just could not understand why. You would take that route after me just repeating what I heard the night about the night before. And then you won. It was like, who cares? Were,
7: were, did you
6: work on his album at all? I know the album never dropped, but were no. you involved at all? You weren't involved.
4: No, I wasn't involved. <laughs> I, I, I,
3: no. I was going to ask you got him the deal via winning the contest, but you had nothing to do with AR. And... No. I'm only asking this because. The first day that he records one of his tracks is also the first day, like, he's in Studio C at Battery Studios, and this is the first day that the Roots and Bob Power are mixing down uh, what will eventually be Do You Want More? It's like our first day of mixing. Hmm. And maybe we were in, like, Super Nat and Tariq were really tight, so I think we spent, like... Just two hours in his break room and chilling, whatever. And he's like tracking the song. And he's working on this song called When I Was King. When I was king, when I was king, I ruled everything. Like It reeked of a Keras one hook. But I noticed that every time he started a verse, it was a new verse. (laughs) And he's like, no, 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 I don't like that. Let's do it again. So it's like, I don't know, take (laughs) two. And then he does the hook. And then it was, not, and I realized, he was like, I'm going to make this entire album freestyle. Like, I'm not going to write anything. And I was like, yo, this is a recipe for disaster. So I always wondered, I wanted to know, did that a- album ever get completed? And this also is a nice, wonderful segue into another person that attempted to do that and huh, actually did it. Made made some made some, <laughs> some some traction with it, which is of course. I got to ask you, what was it about Jay Z that you that made you say? Because I believe your quote to me was like, "I knew he was the greatest the first time I heard him." Yeah, like it, normally someone builds up to that, mm-hmm. but how did you know?
4: I knew because he was saying rhymes that were better than the guys that I thought were the best, but they were like so much better that I was like, wow, these, these guys aren't, aren't even like close him and jazz to me were like the most elite MCs I ever heard. But Jay had something else. He had the rest of the package. You understand? Like jazz had the bars, like jazz's bars, like insanity. He, he would say things that I would have to be like, wow. And we would be in the room like, wow, did he just <laughs> say that? But then Jay would go in and say some shit and we'd be like, wow. But everything else was attached to it. It was like the flow, the style, the cadence, the, the attitude. You walked away believing every single word he said. And I was just like, yeah, that, this guy's he's going to be looked at as the greatest.
3: Why do you think it took so long for quote unquote heads, end quote,
4: to actually give him his property, if you will. Before we do that, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say when you were talking about another guy who didn't who who freestyled, Jay never freestyled. Everything that you hear was what he put together. (laughs) So it was written, it just wasn't written down. It was written in his memory.
0: Okay. And is
4: it definitely? Right, he remembered what he was saying by the rhythms that he wrote it in.
3: But isn't that a form of freestyle? Nah, nah, that's different. Freestyle is like when you just come
4: in like off the, top, right off the top, right off the top of your head, like none of that coming does. off the top. Yeah, yeah what he, he does, it, he's formulating the rap.
0: Yeah, he has like, supreme like, memory too, right? Because that too has it's like <laughs> his
4: his his recall game when he was making records was insanity. Because I would be like. We driving from the city to Brooklyn and a beat would be playing and he'd be like, yo, I got it. You got what? <laughs> I got, I got, I got this one. We going we're going we're gonna to go in the crib and we're going to do this one. And we would do it. And I'd be like, dog, when did this happen? He was like on the ride home. Talking
3: about tracking. Him. Right. Is it a stanza at a time? Is it like no, half a verse? No,
4: Jay oh was God. one guy who could put it all together. He could put each verse together in one shot. and then go back and do the ad libs. Like he would do a verse, do the ad libs, and then go to the next verse. But I'm just like, dog, like right, we can do the ad later. Man,
7: it's a
6: memory. <laughs> it's a it's a memory exercise. I, I did menstrual right. show like that. I did that from like oh four to like you did menstrual show? Yeah when I heard because I heard that because I heard the stories like oh Jay don't write <laughs> but he does it. And I was like all right let me try it. And so I tried it and I was like okay cool. So, like everything from like 04 up until I built my studio at the crib in 09, like all of that was dope paper. Why you stopped then? Um, just the studio change. Like, so for me, I mean my process at the time, like was just we were recording in the studio. So you just cut the beat on to 50 and just walk around, and I would just kind of write it and put it together and then tell my engineer, like, all right, bro, let's go. And I do it. When you're recording at home and you got a and now oh. the drink era. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But now when you're recording at the crib, it's like, I'm not going to leave a beat on loop forever, you know, when I my kid is trying to sleep. So mm. that was when I, I went back to the, it became a, more of a thing. It became more of a writing. And I think just for me, my style as an MC at that time, it was really changing from, I don't want to be just a great rapper. I want to be a great writer. Because I think if you, I think there's a longevity in it, you know, the reason why guys like a Jay, you know what I'm saying, can still perform at a high level now. Is because he, in, in my mind, he thinks of himself as a writer, like you can mature as a writer. Can you mature as a rapper? Maybe? I don't know. But mm-hmm. if you think of yourself as a writer, there's always, and, and as a storyteller, you always have room to grow and mature.
4: I, I, I think what what's, I think the right way to say it is he thinks of himself as an MC, not a rapper. Okay. and when you and when you're MC, what you're saying becomes more important to how you say it because you got something you want everybody to get you want like is triple entendres is is like are you getting this like there's things on the first album that people just don't get and i'm just like and like this is like freaking 20 some years ago like why you why is this mind blowing to you right now like you should have got that maybe a year later but like we're 25 and you still don't get it (laughs) you know so it, yeah. But but I, I will say, the first time I saw it happen, and this is like literally the first session we do, he did that shit. And I was like, no, what the fuck just happened? Like, dog, did you have that already? He was like, nah. He was like, this is what the beat said for me to do. And I was like, how did you remember all that? And he explained, he was like, you know, just like when you learn your ABCs, I, I took it, I took this part. And I put, it, I put it together based off of what he said. He was like, I, I remember the rhymes based off of the rhythm in which I wrote them. So if a, if a rhyme goes, that's the way he remembers mm-hmm. the, the, the rhymes. is to the, but that he's coming up with. And I was just like, in my mind, I was like, what are you talking about? So I said, what the fuck are you talking about? So he would go, most of my cadences come from drum rolls. And I was like, what? And he would, come on, let, yo, let's look at this record. And you hear that right there, that drum roll? That's a cadence right there. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he would display this shit and go back, yo, remember that drum roll? Go listen to that shit. And I'd be like, oh, he's a wizard.
0: Yeah, I was just <laughs> thinking, I love it when y'all make it sound like science. and Because it is sometimes. Yeah. So,
4: so later on, yeah, in my mind, I was like, the first thing you learn to remember you learn it connected to music, so connected to a rhythm, A, B, C, D, E, F, yeah. C. like you connect it to a rhythm, like it's so much easier to remember something that's connected one two three to four
0: five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve.
4: School, schoolhouse Rock was the proof of that shit. Like you, yeah. you can remember everything from Schoolhouse Rock if you watched it twice, based based off of the rhythm. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's true. Yeah. So like he explained, he right. explained that shit to me, and I was just like, "That's masterful," and that also gave me something else in my pocket when I would walk around and talk to people about them. I'd like, yo, my man don't even write this shit down. Like, like, <laughs> he would be looking at me like Clark, you're a liar. The first, first person told me I was a liar with skills. So I was like, Skills come to the skills come to the crib. He was like, I'm not for what? I was like, yo, my man, my man's here, and you're gonna record too, but just come to my crib. He sees Jay come in, listen to the beat for a while. He could tell you this is the truth. And he went in and got on the mic. And said everything that he was mumbling in the hallway and he was like yo what the fuck does that happen the same way i was he was like i said dog i told you he don't write it down he just thinks of it i said and then he thinks of it and puts it all together and everything like when you think of 99 problems and think that there's no pen attached to that there's no pen attached to meet the parents i'm sorry dog he's a fucking
3: wizard yo you're just reminding me now I witnessed that Um, now I gotta search for this shit because I mean technically he did it just so that he recorded something just so that he could remember it specifically for a show that we were doing but mid rehearsals for that whole reasonable doubt thing that we did for the anniversary Mm -hmm. he's like you know what he's like I'm I'm gonna do a sequel. I'm gonna do 44 4s Re-he's like, re-redo uh, can I kick it? And just lay the beat down for five minutes. So like me, Adam Blackstone, I forget like who else was there. So we 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 were hooking it up like we were gonna do it um during the show. And the whole time, I thought he was, I thought he was just like recapping something that he might have wrote a sequel to it or whatever. He's like, no, 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 I'm making it up right now. He's like, just give me a half hour, I, I, I'll get it. And I really regret this moment, but this is the exact moment where in the next room, in the in the room next door, Kanye and Consequence were just working on, um, I don't know if you remember this song on Consequence's record, uh, your, girl, your Girl Keeps you yes. Your girl, it's it's one of the hardest Mm -hmm. beats I ever Mm -hmm. like. If you remember the, if you remember that beat, like my older self's like, yo, you could have witnessed a real historical moment of watching this motherfucker crafted. But I'm not thinking like I'm making a beat for Jay Z to, you know, he's just like, I gotta remember my rhymes. So just give me a half hour and I'll have it. So we're running in that room to watch old boy like put this beat together for consequences shit. And I came back. He's like, all right, I'm done. And he laid it, and it didn't hit me until like much later that he actually made that rhyme up at the moment. Mm-hmm. And mind you, there were 44 fours in there. Yes. So that's the part I'm still mm-hmm. like, I was like, mm He had this one in his pocket. There's no way. And he's like, no. He's like, I made it up on the spot.
4: 20, 20, 22, 22 twos was a freestyle that he used to do every every time we performed at Maria Davis. Right. Well, what we call freestyle, you know, when you rhyme to a beat and you just go off, right, right, right. like we just, just we do that shit right. to to cannot kick it. This was before there was a beat to it, and and then it was like yo, will make a beat to it, you'll ski come up with something to it, like. But he said twenty. He said two twenty-two times, and I was like, wow, because <laughs> right. because I'm. He well, said four forty-four. No, no, one hundred percent. So trust me, when when the first time he did it, I was like. What the? And then the next time he did it, I was in the side going. And then when it got to 22, I was just like, nah, he's fucking. <laughs> right, you understand? Right. Like, this, is the sec- <laughs> this is the second time he, he did it in front of us. You know what I'm saying? For the first time, we was just like, oh, that shit is crazy. Oh, twos. yeah. Then I was like, 22, wait a minute. Twos, that's that means something different. Let me listen. And I was just like, he said two 22 times. He's a wizard. (laughs) He's not regular, man. So when 44 Fours came out, I was like, I'm not even going to tell nobody he said 44. He said four forty-four times. I'm not even going to tell nobody because they're going to say I'm lying.
3: Right.
0: All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve
2: Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu Did you
7: uh, were you uh, there for the tracking of uh, Sky's the Limit? Yeah. Yeah, What was that session like?
4: It it, it was kind of crazy because there wasn't an idea of 112. It was was Biggie Mm. doing the hook. Mm. <laughs> it.
3: he sang it yeah, he's- you have a version of him singing it
4: the funny part is in the song his voice is in there okay I just I just let it be real low because I appreciated the fact that he came uh, yo look we're on a tour bus and Biggie says bring me some beats with Junior Mafia and I'm just like well, who's Junior Mafia he was like C's and the kids the kids are Junior Mafia I'm like they don't rap he was like don't worry about it Clock." Bring me something, dream I bring him some shit. First thing on the beat, this on the tape. Is "Sky's the limit." He was like, "Yo, you gotta hold that." And mm-hmm. I was like, "Nah, that, that's like Akinelli's joint." Mm-hmm.
7: He's
4: mm-hmm. looking at me like, I, can, I was like, "Yes, yeah, joint. Like nah, dog, you gotta hold. It. Take it back. I need that. I'm like, whatever. Let's keep moving. Second joint on the tape is "I need it, I need you tonight." He was like, "Oh, that I like that too." And then he hears players' anthem. And, like, literally, he's going, I was like, we're going to have something. And I'm thinking, it's me and him. We're going to make a record. Right. We gonna- right. so in right. two days, we're going to go home. We're going to make this record. I was like, yes! We go home. He brings little C's in and little Kim in. I'm like, what's going on here? Like, oh. <laughs> and then C's goes in the booth and does the verse. I was just like, Oh shit! And then he does his verse, and then Kim
0: talk about it.
4: Yeah, she just like it's crazy because if I was smarter back then, I would have left the ending of the song the way she ended it. Because mm. at the end of the song, I took out the words she was saying at the end, and at the end, she said "clock can't motherfucker," and I was just like, I was like, "Yeah, you can't say you can't say clock can't motherfucker." So I took it out, and I was just like, "Wait a minute, that was a moment." I walked yeah. up. Clock kick, motherfucker. Woo. Uh, Junior Mafia. Woo. And I was just like, I didn't leave that in. I was like, I'm the dumbest right now. But then
7: <laughs>
4: but then the record happens and I'm just like, yeah, that's all right. So, but while gotcha. we're on the tour bus though, he goes back to the skies of Limit beat and he just starts singing to the shit. And I'm just like, oh, he's wild. B. Like, he just gets it. Because it's, 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 it's as we
0: hear it, Clark, like what he heard for the first time is as we hear it, finished product, like the beat, like, like doom, yeah, the, doom, yeah, doom, doom, yeah, yeah. like
4: the. the uh-huh. Exactly okay. the way it happens. OK. It's exactly the way I gave it to him. And okay. like he goes back to it because he's like, yo, I need this. And, you know, we're not really paying attention, but I'm hearing him going. Blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, what? And the D train going, yeah. I'm just like this dude but I was just like dog that's Akineli's record <laughs> <laughs> but he's like so wanted so bad that I go back and I go to Akineli I was like dog um you really gonna use this record he was like hell yeah clock how much is it and I told him and he was just like yo clock you're trying to buy a car on me and I was like what like dog like you know I made records right? you know I make records like this is like I'm and and he just like, he didn't really want to pay for it. So I was just like, yo, Biggie, you can have it. He was like, yeah, you got to hold it, though. And I'm thinking, hold it for what? And he was like, oh, trust me. Trust me, you got to hold it. I did not know he's thinking two and a half years down the line, it's going to be on your next album. I'm thinking that's somewhere on Junior Mafia's album. But he was just like, yeah, you got you to gotta hold it. But he had the hook after like two hours. But he was singing it to himself. He wasn't necessarily saying this is going to be the hook. He was singing it like he could sing it to it. But I'm listening to it going, wow, if that's the hook, you know, and it, it, it just went that way. And, the, and the t- when it came time to mix, the record came back from Bad Boys Studio and it had 112 on it. And I was like, oh, this shit beautiful. But I respected what he did so much and it was on the tape that I just let it be in the beat. Like if you listen to Brooklyn's Finest, Biggie, every time the record goes, ah, ah, like on certain hooks, Biggie's doing that shit. Like, Biggie's in the background going, ah, uh, ah. Uh, I was just like, yeah, I got to leave it. I, I got to leave it there.
3: <laughs> it, it just hit me, Clark. You got to tell me, speaking of the early days of Rockefeller, can you please share your many Dame battles? Like, I know that Dame is a proud Harlem Knight. <laughs> and you are from the borough of Brooklyn. Yeah. But can you please share this story? Of the bet of the freshest, which basically leads into, you know, there's 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 a whole slew of people that know you strictly not for music, but for sneakers. Oh, okay. The intro. Um,
4: please t- please know, share the story. <laughs> Dame, Dame does a whole bunch of traveling with with Jay and all of that, and you know, um, he comes back and he was like, "Clark, I'm fresher than you," and I was like, "Yeah, I, right, whatever." And he goes. I wear new pair of sneakers every day. I said, I've been doing that since you met me. Nah, I bet. I bet he says, I bet you can't wear brand new pair of sneakers every day for a year. So I was like, what do you want to bet? Because in my mind, I'm like, that's an instant loss. Right. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I bet you, I can't even remember what the bet was for. It had to be something stupid. But I made the bet and I wore a brand new pair of sneakers every day. The good part was, who was at Rockefeller office, so every day he got the pain. And, <laughs> and like, and we worked. Did Lenny S so
3: like document this? Like, ha-
4: nah, like, it was just it was just a, a, a shit talking between me and him. He knew how to wring your like to twist your stomach, to like Yo, you, or, yeah, post- yeah. Mm-hmm. shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, "Come on, Dane. come on, Dane. I I was really one of the guys who could ignore Dane, but then just one time it just went too far. He was like. You, you scared. You scared. I'm like, scared. I'm like, like I've been doing this since you met me. You were 18, 19 when I met you, and I've been this guy. Like, what makes you think it's gonna change now? Because you got some money and bought every sneaker you saw on the way when you was on the road. Like, I really have everything that you buy, and now I have it already, or I had the original to what you like. So stop. You, you gotta stop. But he just was talking shit and talking shit, and I just was like, I bet, and he lost. <laughs> and you couldn't
3: repeat a pair at all in a year's time
4: brand new pair of sneakers every day
3: brand new pair or just a a fresh a brand,
4: like no brand new pair so even if i wore white on whites for a month straight every day the white and white had to be a brand new pair Oof. <laughs> wait but, i but didn't think know about, that part think about this think about this for me right if you came to my crib and you saw four thousand pairs of sneakers why would it seem like it's hard to do it
0: Right, it's only three hundred and sixty-five days.
4: Right. So if I didn't buy any sneakers, I could have done it. I could have done it for like about ten years. It's been like twelve years, yeah, maybe he's... fifteen years. Like, wait, it's, you like still when I met... apply this rule? Oh yeah, I don't wear. I don't wear sneakers. Like, well, I'm sorry. Where they go? You're
5: yeah, like, what size? What size are you? I'll, I'll take your leftovers. And...
4: I'm, a, I'm a 13, but I give them away. Oh, the Steve, you're you're like you're
0: out of luck. There's no way, Steve. Uh, I'm not out of luck.
5: It. Ask Quest; he knows. You're a 13. Same size, yes. I take Quest leftovers.
3: You know, you know how bad I am. Like
0: a, a rare pair
3: of of Mork and Mindy's. I just let Steve have them.
0: That is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, and I,
4: well, I, I, here's the thing: you probably let him have them because it didn't like affect you a certain way.
3: Well, at one point it was just ridiculous, and you know, I was just like, "Okay, wait, you, you have
4: a you have a pair of sneakers that you didn't wear that was given to you during the Air Force One twenty fifth anniversary." And I, know oh, I will good. never wear those. Oh, so you got to give them to me. Oh, you talk. I'm talking about the Croc joints, right? You talking about the Croc joints, the white with the bird? You got crock oh, Air the Force One, the white and orange Croc ones. They're snake with a Croc stripe. Yeah, i You have to give them to me. Oh. Like how I got you. How I got you to SOs?
0: Can we talk well, are we getting to Nike? Because <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, want to know yeah. the beginning of the, the relationship when the romance, when y'all fell in love with each other and how y'all fell in love with each other. No,
3: he, t- 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 what, Clark was like
0: Not you, know you what? and Clark, Nike and Clark. Oh, goodbye. Oh, oh. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: the, the, the Yo,
3: 20th... but you said that with the vigor of an angry black mother.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Like,
3: if you don't,
0: because a... <laughs> <laughs> Clark said he didn't did eighty five well, shoes yeah. with Nike, and I just don't, I understand. not well, you didn't
3: you didn't differentiate the you, so I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh, okay, you you exaggerating a lot, like it. But I, okay, I'll, I'll go with this. I do
0: yeah, want to know Clark why he. I, pick, my... I do I do want to know why he picked you as well to get with Nike. We'll get to that. Part I want to know that. Yes, 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 yes.
4: Well. When the twenty fifth anniversary of Air Force One was about to happen, they had some ideas, and it was this dinner, and like they invited me to dinner and asked if they could borrow some of my shoes for this big exhibit, where they were going to show like maybe two thousand pair of Air Force Ones at a party.
3: When did you first know that s- sneaker collecting was an art?
4: It, it on wasn't a Basquiat
3: art. Picasso level.
4: It wasn't an art. It was, it was corny. And I got looked at like I was corny. Like Damon, who, who I would end up battling one day. First time he came to my crib, he was like, Clark, what the fuck is all these sneakers? I said, it's, it's just the way I stay fresh. And he looked at me like, dog, this is weird. And he would be like, girls, come to your crib with this shit here? And I was like, yeah. And he was just like, Clark, you got a crib full of fresh. He said that shit because I, I had every mock you can and I had every north beach leather i had every good pair of jeans i had every good sweatshirts and teeth like and i would overdo everything so he would just he came to my crib and was just like this doesn't even make sense like how could anyone have this much fresh and this is when he's 19 so he's just like this shit is wild i said well if you look at the era i come from that's what we did we we stayed as fresh as possible all the time." he was just like no i get it i said he said but this is ridiculous you know so it was The thing happened when I was nine. My uncle gave me a pair of Pro Keds. And and when I walked outside with the Pro Keds, the whole block was like, you got Pro Keds. Like all the 16, 17 year olds were like, you got Pro Keds. And I was like, yeah, it's my first name brand sneaker. But they were like, no, but you got them. You're you're a young boy. And I felt like I had a car. Mm -hmm. It was was addictive. So we would do odd jobs for all the the older people on the block. And um, they would give of, like, me and my cousin Mark would do these jobs and they would give us $10 a piece. Back then, ProKeds were $9 at the flea market. And to get to the flea market was 50 cents. So you got 50 cents out of this $10. You get to the flea market, buy a $9 pair of sneakers. And then that other 50 cents is you risking your life to get back with the sneakers. Mm. <laughs> so oh. that's when it started. It started because the block was like, oh, the older guys on the block that, you know, they looked out for us all the time. But now it's like, I'm almost parallel to them and I wanted to be as cool as them. So it was like, oh, well, every weekend I'm going to either buy records or I'm going to buy sneakers. And then it became, oh, I need to have uh, gabardines. I need to have Lees with the, with the, I need to have colored Lees. I need to have BVDs. Uh, I need to have nylons. I need to have AJ Lester's. I need to have British Walkers. I need to have playbooks. I need to have everything. And it, it became like an addiction from when I was really young. Because the older guys accepted me with the playboys, and I mean, with the with 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 the the Pro Keds and it just was like, oh, oh, I'm gonna go hard, and I went super hard. So every dollar I made, fifty cent went to records, and fifty cent went went to to being fresh.
0: So then, what happened with you and Nike?
4: That that Nike wasn't even the sneakers back then. Like the sneakers was Pro Keds and Pumas, Pumas oh, and, yeah. and, and Adidas. You right. know what I'm saying? Like. And Clyde, to us, was a superhero. So to have a pair of sneakers with his name on the side in gold was like, that's the ultimate sneaker back then was Clyde's. You know what I'm saying? Wow, yeah. yeah so, that's- so that's what we were doing. And then when Nike's really, really happened, the thing that, that made me go over the top for Nike was when Air Force Ones happened. And I was playing citywide basketball and Elm Court basketball. And we would it, our team was good, so we would get to go to other cities to play against other cities in and, and Baltimore. I saw Air Force Ones. Well, actually, in Queens, we played a, at Baisley Park. And this Nike rep came and told us to try these shoes. So we tried these Wait, shoes. Wait, what? That's what they did. They would, they would go to tournaments and watch kids play and be like, hey, try these shoes. And they gave me these shoes. And I just thought they were beautiful. So I just stuck them in my bag.
6: it's the A1 It's the first. It's, it's the Air
4: Force. Yeah. It's funny because now, looking back at it, we would call those Air Force Zeroes. Because they didn't have no holes in the, in the, in the, in the front of the chute.
3: Yo, so ah. the joins you gave me are the first year Air Force Zeros? You gave me a red and white uh, first
4: year Air Force One. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they didn't have holes at the top. No. Right. Then, yeah, those were zeros to us. We called mm. them zeros. Um, Beat was from sweat. That, that was from, they were from that time. Yeah.
3: Gotta get those frames,
4: Clark. Thank you. Good, good, dog. <laughs> you know (laughs) I really had like lots of sneakers and I had everything and so when they were coming up with this Air Force 25 they were like we don't have everything so let's go to the guy who has everything and let's you know give some give him some money and let him curate the the amount of pairs of sneakers that we have that we're gonna put on this wall for this event. So they did they borrowed a bunch of stuff but in the meeting they were just like what do you think should happen with Air Force One? I was like, y'all should make an Air Force One store, and you could see the people in the in the meeting going like this because they already had an idea to do the Air Force One store. I said, but you need to make ID Nike ID. You need to make the shit unlimited. And they were like, what do you mean? I said, you make you need to make something called VIP ID. And they were like, okay, could could you stop? And I was like, okay, cool. And they were like, do you have a lawyer? And I was like, of course I have a lawyer. And they were <laughs> like, can you can you can you get him on a phone or have him come down? And my lawyer. <laughs> had my lawyer come down and, 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 and the thing is the guy who said it was a black guy. So it's almost like he was saying, let me protect, yeah, let me protect, let me protect your uh, neck. Right. And, and he could see that the conversation made me like, yo, cause I was about to go off and he was just like, wait, giving wait,
0: all the ideas for free. all the was just yeah. like,
4: Do you have a lawyer. And I'm like, yeah. So when he came, my lawyer came and he was like, we want to make him a consultant to help us build this air force one store. And I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know what that was. And then when the deal points came through, I was like, oh, they're dead serious. I was like, <laughs> And my, my lawyer is looking at me like, do you want to do this? And I was like, what? Are you <laughs> <kidding>? like, <laughs> yo, and the only thing, the only thing in my mind, I swear to God, this is going to sound crazy. The only thing in my mind was I'm going to get to make a speaker and shit on Bobito. <laughs> because yo. Bobito... Bobito had this white pair of Air Force Ones with a Burgundy switch, and his name was on the side. And I was like, How? Like, how did he and he was like, like he gave it to him? So I was just like, Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. And 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 the thing is, like, I went into the meeting, the first official I'm working there meeting, and like the first thing I say before the meeting, keep, can I make a sneaker? And they're looking at me like, that's not what this is for. And we get into the meeting, we keep going to the 20 minutes in. Can I make a sneaker? They're like, we're trying to build a store. We're trying to come up with ideas. You're you're doing well. Go on, go on. 40 minutes. Every 20 minutes, I'm like, can I make a sneaker? Can I make a sneaker? I just want to make one sneaker. Like literally saying, I just want to make one sneaker. By the end of the meeting, after Chambers says, let me go sit you down with Mark Dolce. And I sit with Mark Dolce and Mark Dolce says, what do you have in mind? And I come up with. I tell him what I want the sneaker to be, but I did it in like a minute and a half. And he was like, you really had this idea. I was like, yes. I said, I only need one pair and I needed, I just I put my name on the side of the shit. That's all. I need. Just <laughs> One pair. So he's like, he's like, what? I was like, yeah, only one pair. He was like, no, this is really good. And then he calls Aster and then he calls the product line manager and the, and the guy who was leading the team and everybody in the room was like, no, that's really good. And they then, Aster says to one of them, you know, Air Force One's a part of a ones pack. And I was like, whatever. He's like, do you like Air Max One? I said, second favorite sneaker. Uh, wow. Right. He says, what would you do to an Air Max One? Boom, boom, boom. Air Max One is finished in two minutes. And they're looking at me like, oh, he's, he's really ready. And I was like, but you got to change the color of the elephant print so it's different than the Air Force One. And they were like, okay. So they did. Shit looked amazing. They were like, what about a trainer one? I was like, that's you. It was like. They're like, mm. oh, you don't like it? I said, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I wouldn't necessarily be like, I want to make that. But they said, but what would you do? And then I did it. And then Astor says it louder. He goes, that's a ones pack. And I'm like, fuck is a ones pack? He said, you remember those Air Force ones that said gray ones? And I was like, yeah. He said, remember there was an Air Force one and an air trainer one that looked just like it? I was like, yeah. He goes, that's a ones pack. He said, this is a ones pack. I was like, cool. I only want the Air Force One. <laughs> and, and they're like, he's saying to me, he's like, "Clark, he's saying it quiet." He was like, "Clark, now, because I'm friends with Aston Chambers before night." He's like, "Clark, we we feel like we could put this out, and you can have a shoe that's out." I was like, "Dog, I don't need that. I need this shit on Bobby." And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, "You're not understanding that this is iller I need you, yeah. I was like, right, right. This is- I was like no, no. I-. But so he's going. So if you did this. What would you call it? I said Brooklyn. And they were like, Clark, could you do some Because <laughs> <laughs> now I'm mad. I'm just like Brooklyn. He was like, he was like, Clark, and then he was like, Well, can you can you express Brooklyn in a different way? And the first thing I thought was 718. And then I was like, no, because that means Queens, Staten Island, and the right. Bronx gets love. And I was like, Oh, every zip code in Brooklyn starts with 112. I said, So 112. And they were like, That's thinking. See, Clark, now you're thinking. And he was like, but now we gotta connect it to you. I said it is. It's from Brooklyn. It connects to me. He was like, no, we gotta make something that when we see it, we can go. Oh, that's how it connects. So they put the one, and inside they put a big one, and inside the one they put a telephone booth, like that's where clock changes. Ah. And I and I was like, and be, and they put the one because it's a one's pack. So that's 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 where the logo that's inside the shoe comes from. From enough of them being sick of me. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, could you please come up with some shit?
3: So what was Bobito's response?
4: Bobito thought the shoe was fire, especially because I could give him a whole set, but I was just like, more like, this was really just the shit on you. <laughs> but, he, but then he he could literally go, yeah, but there's a lot of them. There's only one of these. And I was just like, okay, motherfucker. <laughs> like, so so after that, I made it my business to become friends with Tinker Half and, and the and the people in the kitchen. So that I could do things in the kitchen that would be one of one. So I, I went in the kitchen. I'm, I mean, I might have about 30 one of ones out of the kitchen. But the first one, I went right to Bobby and was like, ah! and it, ah. was, and, it and, and it was so crazy that he just had to be like, oh, no, that's crazy. And I was like, yes.
0: alright <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all.
1: Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of
4: At the top of the chart of all Jordans is a tie between threes and 11. I'm threes and fours. Those are the ones for me, too. You like
3: threes?
6: Yeah. What? Yeah. Threes threes you guys got long.
3: narrow feet, then. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> oh, they didn't even
6: uh, start thinking about. Actually, they kind of give you a little room. Like the one, yeah, they actually do. I, Yeah, the ones. I fuck out of the ones. Them shits is nah. But like, I like oh. them. Nah, I can't do the ones. Like
4: Ones and sixes. On, the, on, the, on, a, on a Jordan scale, like Jordan ones are third to me. What's crazy is I really have more Jordan ones than anything because they keep coming out with good shit. Right. So like, it's threes and 11s is a tie, and then it's ones, and then it's fours, and then it's fives. But so I love fives. I like five. So
3: let me ask you this House on fire. you saving five of them joins,
4: five mm-hmm. sneakers. What are you saving? I'm only saving two because I'm getting my wife and my kids out first.
3: Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> your wife and your kids are out, and then.
4: Well, I that, could run in the, the awesome. house
3: and get five pairs of sneakers. <laughs> what is it?
4: It's going to sound weird to you, dog, but I'd be trying to get the records out.
0: No, it don't. It don't sound weird to it. Just give me
3: the sneakers. Your top. All right. I'm destroying I'm, all I'm, your sneakers, but five.
4: I'm going to go get the, the, the bespoke. I mean, the one of ones, because they were, they were, they were meant and given and made for me. They weren't part of this mass production of shoes that because I can get my favorite shoes are white on my Air Force One. I can buy them shits all the time. Right. And if if Nike decided we will make sure that you have a brand new pair for for, for, Air Force Ones for the rest of your life, a brand new every day. They could take what I got. I'm going to admit this to you, Quest. You actually are the person that made me say, let me put a crock on my foot. What? You know but, what? What? yo, but, the show's but, over. Thank you very much. No, no, but <laughs> but it wasn't a regular crock. It was a Salehi crock.
0: Oh shit! Okay. So, oh, but I put William it. Jones I, is fresh. But,
4: but I put it on and was like, oh, I understand. I wear them around the house.
3: Oh, you 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 gonna wear them outside the house eventually?
4: No, no, my probably son not. Wears Crocs. Probably my son not.
3: Yeah. Wears Crocs. Probably Clark. not. Clark. Clark. Dog, you and I were on this journey together, bruh. I get it. And then one day, I just got got tired of suffering just to be like, yo, what does he have on? I got tired. So I went to the opposite, which was, ew, what does he have on?
0: (laughs) Yo, these freaking fancy-ass Soleil Crocs, though. Let's talk. I mean, did this ain't no regular. I I I had to look it up. I was going to act like I knew what the fuck y'all was talking about. But I did not.
3: Soleil I'm kind of miffed right now because I'm a product of Sean G. So
0: mm-hmm. I I promise. You better you know, follow that up with something good. Go ahead
3: with you. No, no, no. I'm just <laughs> saying that it it's he is yet to steer me wrong. And he's always on me about knowing my worth and knowing my, you know, my value and whatnot. Because to be on I mean, the thing is, is that Crock Ben offered me my own line. But Sean's like. Sean's like, no, dog. Like, if it's not equity, I'm not talking to nobody else.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's what we doing. And I was like, Sean, just please,
3: just let me do one. He's like, no, because if I let you do one croc, then you'll you'll give. He's like, if it weren't, you would do everything for free, and business people would just take advantage. Of like, Amir a with DJ for free, Amir did it for free, and so it's paining me right now that like the crocs that I'm dreaming of designing, which is kinda on that level that he the lane that he's in right now, they just offer you your mold, you get bragging rights, and then, you know, you probably can leverage that to another company, whatever. But you know, Crocs is kinda you remember how Timberland was or like those companies
4: Okay. L- listen, personally, yeah. you can get I believe you can get an equity deal with Crocs. See, I I, I we're yeah, you
3: gotta, because I, like, clients- things are happening in quote that's it that's all i can say things are happening no,
4: no i don't talk about
3: something unless it's really happening okay but-
4: no, okay it, i believe you can i i know you can as a matter of fact just because you know i work with the brands the way that i do i know that let it let it be what it's gonna be but i think it will happen for you it'll definitely happen and, and, so- and the reason why the reason why is because you're not the guy from the roots anymore <laughs> Mm -hmm. you're 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 not like you were the guy from the roots until jimmy fallon happened and then it was Mm. like oh no no that's not the guy from the roots that's the guy who is the music director that's the guy who did the oscars that's the guy who did the grammys that's the guy who did mtv that's the guy who did he was the guy who was playing on stage with jv like he's that guy you're not just the guy from the roots like you're you're another monster and because you do so much and never stop The thing would be to get you. So if you're giving it away for free, which I I am begging anyone who does anything with a brand, don't give it away for free. Yeah. You need to understand who you are in the game. Because if you understand who you are, then you understand that if if you walk in the door, it fixes them. All you gotta do is walk in the door. Because if they get Hmm. a picture, like it fixes them. Hmm. So the idea is. Let me do what I want to do. See, Salehi is a designer of shoes. So, a, a, a deal like that is more, it could be cachet for him. You know, what I'm like Salehi also was a designer at Versace. You know what I'm saying? He designed for Yeezy. He designed for everyone.
0: The young brother. That, yeah. Yes, hey, yes, yes. Okay. Like, he's,
4: he's like, he's not regularly good. Like, he's amazing. Right, right, like, right. Even though sometimes you might not get it when you see it. Like, I looked at the Crocs and was like, like, immediate, was like, oh, that's his fingerprint. And people were looking at me like what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, dog, look at it. it look like a fingerprint. Oh shit. Yeah, it's his fingerprint. Like, so his mind is on some other shit. Like your mind is on some other shit. <sighs> so if if you if you wanna do it and you you know, you I'm sure you totally understand your 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 cachet. And because of that, they will they will do it with you. You will get an equity deal with them.
3: How do you feel about the design game now? Especially um, in light of what is going on with certain figures in mm, the mm, design world. Oh, mm, mm, mm-hmm. well, God. Mm, I picked the wrong day
4: to bring mm, up
7: that shit. <laughs>
4: I think, um, first, being able to um, dignify the word design properly is most important. Not just I went in and I colored up some shoes or I went in and I and I, and I, and I told a story on a shoe. like That's Mocking up—that's um, reappropriating. You know what I'm saying? But like, can you go in and design a shoe from the ground up? That's slay. You know what I'm saying? That's different. He, right? Like what he did at Versace is different. He made a shoe that people—if they didn't like—like like he made people buy Versace sneakers again. People weren't even thinking that, but he did something that was cool to the street, and they went out and bought it again. And then he took that cachet and was like, "Well, let me go over here and show you some other shit." and let me go over here and you show you some other shit let me go over here and show you some other shit. went to new balance and, and put a fucking whistle on us
7: mm.
4: he, he he's some other shit you know what i'm saying so the design thing if you're designing like purely you can draw the shit like that's amazing but if you're just getting to work on some shoes and reappropriate i i personally put myself in that category like i I'm just really good at reappropriating some shoes. I don't, I'm not calling myself a designer. The word gets thrown around too, too much. And, um, right. you know, you design music. I could say I design music. I could say I design soundscapes. But if I say I design a sneaker, that means I, I should be able to draw a new one from mm-hmm. the ground up. And I'm the first one who'll be like, oh, I can't do that shit. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and the only way I'd be able to get to that point is if I gave them the 10,000 hours trying to figure it out
5: yeah you know uh, quest can make ice sculptures i've seen that um, Shut uh, out, steve uh, anyway. anyway
4: so what's going on in the design game is like well are you really a designer or not i i believe i i believe that if quest goes in he's going to be able to look at a crop turn it into some other shit and it'll be amazing because <laughs> his mind thinks like a creator Back um, to
0: that Nike shoe that he made, though, first. Because I'm like, wait a minute now. Mm-hmm. Let's think. Them. Mm-hmm. There was some colors and some designs on that. I remember that shoe. It was some red, some green, some, some different things going on.
3: That was my first one. There was the red, green. There was the gold version. That right. was.
4: <laughs> nah, I mean, you know. It's... I, I think he was expressing himself. And I think he, he was. did a good job. And, and the thing is, the perfect thing about that sneaker was it wasn't mass produced. So it was, you Where really is- got to like this. You know what I'm saying? You really got to like it. And if you like it, then you get it once yeah. you see it. You know what I'm saying? So or once it's in front of you, you get it. But like, because it came out in a time when hype was 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 really being some shit. Like it's people who got the shoe who didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? They they might love the shoe, but they love the shoe because of the hype instead of loving the shoe for. Did, did you see what he did? Did you see he flipped the elephant print on two shoes? Like you didn't see that? You missed it.
3: There's a lot of nuances that sneakerheads heads get that regular heads are just like, oh, I missed that one.
0: Yeah, right. well, sometimes... Hey, is, it, was,
3: it was a lot of underground code to it. Sometimes but, you got to really?
0: explain the underground code so that the regular heads can even know the, the yeah, art. The
3: I know you can't... I feel like Raekwon
4: sometimes, like,
3: only for certain... No,
4: but, I mean, when, when I, I mean, did the 112, when I did the 112, all I ever said was it represents Brooklyn. And then I let people go try to figure it out. So now in Nike, 112 is a colorway you can't you can't use that colorway or the weight the mix of materials and colorway that I use unless wow. it's it's in collaboration with me
3: Have you ever seen an ill subliminal on a sneaker that only like that sort of got
4: kind of you know uh, missed under the radar of when Air Force was turning or thirty five or no yeah thirty 35- five it was a, uh-huh. a there was a celebration called Air Force One Hundred, and it was 100 pairs of Air Force Ones that were all white. And I got to do one. Right. And I'm I'm going to tell a story that is okay to tell now. Probably wouldn't have been okay to tell then. I got a call and it was like, yo, what you want to do? I was like, what you want to do? What? yo, we're doing these all whites. Coming on to all white sneakers. So we was in New Orleans, we had a knee with Nike, and I was like, I want to do this, 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 and this to the shoe. In, and we're gonna call it "Got That White." <laughs> now, oh. Only one, only one person in the room understood Got, the "Got That White" man, and he, and he, because he's my man, he's going clock. Are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. And he was so, so, so he was like, "Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a push for this one." And it really, when he showed it to who it had to be pushed to really didn't have to be pushed. No. It was like, it was like, oh, that shit is beautiful. Like even like Mark Parker called me and was like, this is one of the most beautiful Air Force Ones I've ever seen. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Phew. like I hope he doesn't ask what does got that white mean. So <laughs> if if you look at the shoe, it has three colors on it and it's 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 white and then it's like this, it's like ashy off white. And then it's this gum bottom, right? Uh, Oh yeah so it's three versions of cocaine right and i put it all on one shoe and i called it got that white because in the street if you say got that white that means you got coke
7: right and then on the
4: the tongue label i I put the word stay fresh on it because that was (coughs) my, my thing my thing was to stay fresh and i was like i need all 100 pairs to be given to me and my rollout was gonna be i was gonna pull up In the hood of like every state, and I was gonna be like send a send an Instagram post out like yo I got that white got that white right. So a hustler would come looking for me, and I would be like here. So I was gonna be serving white across fifty states, (laughs) but they but. But they took 50 of the pairs and brought them to ComplexCon. And they had this dinner. And at the dinner, everybody who was part of the 100, a pair of sneakers got put on everybody's plate, And nobody knew what the sneakers were until they started opening them. Only one person had my sneakers. And I was Biggs because Biggs got that white.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Right? <laughs> so people were like, we at the tables, And people are like, yo, what the fuck is that? So everybody's like, I want that one. I want so they telling the waitresses, can you go switch this? Can I get that? So they're giving away all of my product.
0: Oh, they really gave it away? I, they didn't just let I really,
4: okay. They they, 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 I didn't get to do the rollout properly. So it 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 became, but so I didn't really get to like it. Would, and the whole thing was gonna be filmed like the feds were watching. And then I was gonna let the fucking film come out. <laughs> and and um, so the thing is, when the shoes got given away, you know, some people got them, like Ronnie Fy got them. And he was like, Clark, this on Instagram, he was like, Clark, this is fucking amazing. The only thing I cared about was when I got home, I got to make sure Jay gets there. So I get home, I bring the sneaker to Jay, and I said, the call got that white. He was like, Clark. <laughs> you know, it was so important that he wore them shits on his birthday. Wow. And I was like, Damn. he gets he gets it. So what I did with the shoes, basically, I, I called up the hustlers that I came all, up with and was like, yeah, I got the spare sneakers for you. And they didn't look at it like it was, oh, I got a fresh spare sneaker. It was look, they looked at it like, oh, got that white clock? You're crazy. <laughs> but, but the good part is Nike didn't get it.
0: Well, yeah, because they ain't got no, because they ain't got that black in the office to tell them. Well, well, <laughs> that might be a mic drop. Yeah, that might
3: right be. That, that's our clip for that one. <laughs> it yeah. only took
0: six years. Thank you, thank you, thank
4: you. <laughs> Thanks, Clark. That was
3: good. Lion. Yeah. All
4: right. So, so, so to me, that's the one that got missed the most. That got missed and. And, you know, later on, once I explained what got that white was to a bunch of people that, and they were just like, nah, that's crazy. And I was like, <laughs> so then later on, I can't remember what company it was, Diamond Supply. They got a whole bunch mm-hmm. of, of Air Force Ones and stamped or like, like, like pressed into the Air Force One, the word Coke. But it was the Coke logo. Oh. It said Coke. Oh. I, just was like, I was like, Coke whites. Okay, I get it. Right. But I'm like, dog. Obvious bear.
0: Plus, we, obvious we, much. We had that white. Yours is more creative. Yes, yeah. It, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, mm. it,
4: it was definitely it was definitely more creative. And it would, And the thing is, once like a hustler got up here, he understood it as soon as he saw it. He was like, well, three colors. So like,
0: those shoes can never come out again? Like, in no part, Clark can Nike just go, you know what? That was a good idea that Clark did 10 years ago. Let's reissue.
4: Amen. That Literally, I'm one of the Few that they seem to have some respect for
3: yeah they'll they'll resell some
4: shit and yeah they'll they, they call before they sound like that like oh. i got i got so, i got something coming later this year i
3: was about to say you still have a relationship with them
4: correct oh, oh yeah oh yes yeah. it something. sounds
0: like clark if you decided you didn't want to do music anymore you would be good based on of the sneaker the sneaker
4: I, I, i'd be okay but I probably wouldn't because I love music so much. Right, I'd, right, I'd probably right, right. be like, no, I need to do that.
3: Okay. So, so- yeah, so... Yeah, as we close out, I do want to know, like, where's your passion lying today as we speak?
4: Music. Music, well, let me say this. In this order, God, family, music, kicks. Mm-hmm. My, my, my family means more to me than, than, than all of that shit. And I have a family because of God.
0: How old are your
4: kids? I have a 29-year-old daughter and a 23-year-old son.
7: I know they're proud. That's dope.
4: Hope so. I'm trying not to embarrass them. You're
3: doing well, man. You're doing well.
4: I I, I appreciate those words, but you know, yeah, they understand DJ Clark Kemp, but like I'm their father first. You yeah. Know? Right. So it's like I gotta, I'm trying not to embarrass them. I'm trying not, I'm trying to do things that they could look at and go, my dad did some cool shit. So that they can be inspired to do cool shit.
3: This this has been a long time coming. Uh, thank you for uh, having the patience for all the false starts. But, you know, you're you're literally, you, you, you're you God's favorite DJ. Thank Might you, be mine too, man.
7: <sighs>
4: thank, thank you, you. man. We thank be you be changing lives yo, out here. Yo, hell near. yeah. You, you, you want to know something that's crazy? Quest is, it's certain DJs that I look at and I go, I wonder if they think I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Because they have their own their own thing attached to them that that I look at them and like, nah, he's fucking he's fucking ill. Some of the shit he does is crazy. Like I look at Quest, like my nah, Quest is a really good DJ. Like Quest is on the short list of DJs that I like. You know what I'm saying? I look at Jazzy Jeff, like I like yeah, Jazzy okay. Jeff. I like Scratch. I like you know Little Louis Vega. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Damn. Like he to me to me he's a fucking wizard. But then I got this Quest love dude, who I think is out of his mind musically, and I'm like, he thinks I'm a good DJ. Like to me, that's like Mount Rushmore shit. When a when a DJ, Bro, I think is why do you think
3: we're all together in that in, in our thread, man? I mean, I, I don't mean, even know if I'm allowed to mention.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask Juan nah. about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. No, nah, man, it, it's a, please. I've I've been to a gazillion of, of, of your functions, yo. I, I now you get down, man. No, you're, you're you're the greatest, Clark. I appreciate you for doing Thank that. You.
4: man. I, I appreciate you. it, and and again, it's an honor to be here because when I look at some of the people you've spoken to, I'm just like shit. He wants to talk to me. I hope I could stand up. Please, <laughs> man. it's all Listen.
0: tribe. It's all the same tribe. You definitely belong. We talking about people that affected the culture, honey. This seems like another
3: uh, successful conclusion of the adventures of uh, DJ Clark Kent uh, on behalf <laughs> of uh, Laia, uh, Smoking Steve, and Fonticello Blue.
4: <laughs> can i go on record as sam fonte's one of the best MCs around yeah. yes he is Thank okay you, yeah not nah, dog is wild b he's wild like wild it's funny because to be honest like when i first heard little brother i was like oh this dude be spitting and then i took some time off because i was like they're not doing nothing and i didn't realize that he was dropping solo shit and then i went back and i was like oh he's fucking nuts like I think I tweeted that one day. Like, El Fonte Gallo is fucking amazing. <laughs> you, know, you remember that, remember that shit. I
7: no, like, no, man, he, come on, bro. Like this, I said, guy,
4: dog. <laughs> day,
6: day with Fame was the first tape I owned. So nice. to see DJ Clark can't bring me up, like, that's just... Nah, man, thank you so much. That means the world. I appreciate it's it. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Nah.
3: Only Mavericks over here, man. Anyway, we have a Fonte sugar Steve, unpaid bill, and Laia. I'm Questlove. Thank you once again. DJ Clark Kent. This is Questlove Supreme, and we'll see you on the next show round. All right. Peace. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.